Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my bulldog Rodney's by my side as usual. We have a special treat today as we start talking wrestling again with my buddy Scott Tudor, who's been on before and did a great job, and my friend Christian Miscagney, who I met at law school at Louisville and was actually in the business with Ohio Valley Wrestling for a few years. So today we're going to talk about recaps from NXT War Games, WWE Survivor Series, and TLC. And also we have a special treat where we're going to be giving out our 2019 year-end awards. It's a great discussion. We got a lot of great insight from Scott and Christian, so I'm excited to have them on. So Scott, welcome aboard for another installment. And Christian, welcome as well. Yeah, happy to be here. It's been a while, but we always talk wrestling in law school, and happy to be on your show. I've been following you. We've been keeping up on Facebook, and I've enjoyed uh, talking wrestling with you. Yeah. Hopefully, I can add something to the show. Oh, definitely. Well, Christian, since you're new to the show, I want to give you an opportunity just to kind of give some background on on you and um, your involvement with OVW, just so the audience knows a little bit more about you. Well, as the audience, I'm sure knows, Ben and I went to law school at University of Louisville, and when he took his talents down to South Beach, I stayed in the Louisville area as a criminal attorney, and it was during that time, Ohio Valley Wrestling, which meant a lot more back then than it does now, was at various times was both the developmental, which I guess you'd call it the triple A for both uh, WWE and TNA at various points. Being a criminal attorney and, you know, still being kind of in that in the age bracket of those guys, I got to know a lot of them from the bars and the clubs. And when some of them would have, oh, alleged legal problems. Just alleged. Um, it's all alleged. We would, I ended up representing quite a few of them and becoming friends with them. Had Brock Lesnar on a alleged steroid, uh, possession of steroids case. Had a few other guys on drunken fights. Nobody really got hurt. DUIs. Got to know Al Snow really good. When he got a, he got a traffic ticket. And this was back when he was married to Cindy, aka Bobcat, a.k.a. Godfather's Ho, a.k.a. First Woman Hardcore Champion. So I became real close with them. And Al's run OVW at various times and is running it again now. And so it was cool. I got, I got to become really close with, I'd say the closest ones I was with was Cliff Compton, who was Domino from the Deuce Domino Tag Team Champion days. CM Punk, who's probably the funniest person I've ever met and I'll tell you a couple of punk stories Luke Gallows who was transitioning from Jesse and Fester into the straight edge society Cena was kind of on his way out Orton was on his way out I kind of told you the backstories behind that but mm. it was really cool the various times I got to work under Jim Cornette and Al Snow so I really got to learn the psychology of the wrestling business. My job was basically to play myself, amp it up times 10. I was a power hungry attorney, which I am in real life. 
heel manager who they would give me the people who were not great on the mic and who had problems getting heel heat because I could get the old heat for them. And then it, we had various angles at one point where I'd taken the company over. But I mean, it was, it was fun. It was interesting. You see the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly side of wrestling. What was it like working with Jim Cornette? Jim Cornette was a genius. Jim Cornette wanted to lay everything out. I mean, it was his way or the highway. He didn't want to hear any suggestions. He had the vision in his mind of how he wanted it to go. And if you disagreed with it, the best thing to do would be keep your mouth shut. Because we had an incident one time where he didn't like the way uh, a finish to a big show went that I was involved in. And we got in the locker room. Jim's a great guy. But I swear to God, I thought me and him were going to have a fist fight in front of the entire locker room. He's screaming at me. He's cussing at me. I'm cussing and screaming at him back. I tell him I quit. So at that point, I leave. But here's how cool he is. So a few months later, we hadn't spoken at all. Ring of Honor comes. At this point now, he's, he's booking Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor comes to Louisville to do a set of TV tapings. Of course, I'm uncomfortable because this is the first time I've seen Cornette since we'd gotten into it. And I walk in, he immediately comes up, gives me a big hug. We start laughing, pulls me aside, asks me if I'd uh, be interested in doing a mini angle with Ring of Honor on uh, saying he needed an attorney figure to to kind of pull together, bring in Kevin Steen, a.k.a. Kevin Owens, back from, he had been, the storyline was he had been fired from Ring of Honor. So Jim could cuss you out one day, and it might stick with you and your crawl, but the next day, in his world, it's totally forgotten. But just a genius. Knew every trick, and a funny story is one time when I, we had an angle running, where I think I was getting a little bit too big for my britches. I was getting good heel heat and thought I was getting really good on the mic. So I started bringing a tennis racket out to the ring with me. <laughs> and, and basically, I told him in the back that I wasn't scared to go head-to-head on a promo with him in the ring. And so I'm fired up. I'm all ready. I've been practicing to have my bullet points already. Then it was the most embarrassing I'd ever been. He had me completely tongue-tied. He's, I forgot everything I was going to say. And he turned on that old-school cornet, even though he's the baby-faced booker. And, I mean, I just... <laughs> I was stuttering, stumbling through my words. <laughs> and we get in the back, he starts laughing. He says, you need a little bit more practice before you step up for the big dog. That's <laughs> all I always thought was fine. Yeah. Well, of course, OVW, like you said, Christian, it was the training ground for WWE in those um, you know, late 1990s, early 2000s. And you had guys like Brock Lesnar go through there, Randy Orton. I was just looking at the roster today of alums. You mentioned John Cena. 
Kevin Owens through there. So it was a, a very, very important part of WWE because a lot of the, the top stars that we've had, they came through that development territory. And so it, it was really cool you were able to have that. Now, um, one thing we're going to transition to now is go to our uh, NXT War Games recap because – I mean, growing up, I was a big NWA fan, you know, watch on WTBS and, and the War Games was developed by the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes in the mid eighties. And it's just a tremendous pay-per-view. So Scott, you know, I know you were a big War Games fan. So tell me, you know, what was your take on this War Games from a 2019 and NXT? Really quickly, I'm going to give a shout out to the War Games as being one of my favorite of all time pay-per-views growing up. Now, as Ben and I had discussed on a previous podcast, I was more of a WWF at the time kid growing up. But when I discovered NWA and I discovered the war games, I was, that was beyond anything WWF was doing at the time. And that, I think NXT has, for the most part, brought it back. And I really, really enjoyed this pay-per-view overall. Yeah, Christian, what was your initial I, take? I agree. <laughs> here's, here's my only, the only thing I wish they had done different. I don't like that they had it the night before Survivor Series. I think right. it kind of overshadowed things and made things blurry. I almost wish that War Games had been, I don't know, like now, like in December, like had been like an these big event. Because it just seemed, to me, it seemed kind of odd having, I thought it was a great event. That NXT is going to kill each other one night. And then the next night, they're supposed to be on the same team. So I think they could have spaced it out better, but I'm in total agreement. I think war games, I mean, all the way to the end, even the bad war games, I I still was a fan of. War games and Buckhouse Stampedes were probably uh, my two favorite NWA, WCW type things, with war games definitely being the top one. And I always wondered why WWE didn't utilize war games more once they purchased WCW. Exactly. I thought the same thing. Once they made that purchase, I thought for sure that was going to be one of their main pay-per-views that they took over and ran with it, but they never did it. Well, so getting into the matches. So Scott, what was your take on the opening match? You got Angel Garza starting the pay-per-view with uh, Swerve Scott. So I felt this match could have been, on the main card, I thought it was a very athletic competition. They told a good story in the ring. It was a very good match, and I think it was undersold by being in the pre-show. I think that they need to push these guys to be on the main card of a pay-per-view soon, because I, I really did like this match. Yeah. I'm, I could not agree more. I, I hate when they take these guys and put them on this pre-show, because it makes it seem like... It's not as important. You know, I think this match with like proper build up and proper place on card, I mean, it would deliver anywhere. I agree. Yeah. I mean, the match overall was really well received, even through the wrestling media. I thought it was a great way to get that started. And it led into a great women's War Games match where you had the team of Shayna Baszler, Iowa Sharia, Bianca Blair, and uh, Kaylee Ray versus Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, and they were supposed to have on their team Mia Kim. She got hurt and got replaced by Dakota Kai, but then Dakota Kai turns heel before the the match even starts, turns on Tegan Knox. So basically you had a handicap match of two on four here, and 
I just thought this match was fantastic. I think the women in this match in NXT, they can hold their own with any of the, the women on um, WWE's roster. I mean, I think Rhea Ripley is fantastic. So, Christian, what was your take on this match? Number one, I think the booking was tremendous because it's very rare that I don't see a, a heel or face turn coming. I didn't see this one coming. Maybe I should have, looking back. So I thought that was brilliant. The way they're building up Rhea Ripley, she's, she's just tremendous. She's a big star, and I agree with you. With the exception of, I still think Charlotte Flair is, for my money, her and Tasha Banks are the best female wrestlers WWE has. I guess, you know, I think Becky Lynch has kind of followed the same fate that Seth Rollins followed, that Roman Reigns followed, that John Cena followed. I think they just shoved her down our throats too hard to where, honestly, I couldn't care less when she comes on TV. And, I mean, and I was a big fan of hers when they tried to turn her heel at Survivor or SummerSlam last year and had her turn on Charlotte, but the crowd ended up cheering her. Mm-hmm. I guess it was SummerSlam two years ago. Maybe I'm, I'm confused, but they tried to turn her heel. It didn't work. But I'm with you. The NXT females, I think, can go with anybody in WWE. Yeah. Scott, what was your take on this match? I thought this match was phenomenal. I agree with Christian. The booking was amazing. And I agree. Normally, I see a heel turn coming, and that one completely caught me off guard. It, it told a great story. I mean, they from the get-go, they had a heel turn, and it turned the thing into a handicap match. And Rhea Ripley and uh, Candice LeRae winning it, I, I thought that was great booking. Again, kind of repeating what Christian said there, but I thought this match held up and was actually – one of the better matches on an overall very good pay-per-view. Yeah, I think so too. I, mean, I think Candice LeRae is fantastic as well. I mean, she's got a lot of great moves. You know, she's very attractive. She's got a good look. And I mean, of course, Shayna Baszler's got the MMA background, but I was very impressed with Bianca Belair. I mean, she has that long hair and she's like whipping. She uses it as a, as a weapon. And I mean, she's like yeah. very, very talented. So ultimately in this match, Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae came away with the win. But I mean, it was a, Brutal match, physical, entertaining. I think it was definitely an A plus, and a lot of the wrestling publications I've seen, they're they're giving it the same grade. I think Bianca Belair made made a name for herself in that match. I think it built her up a lot. She is a stud, and I think the week before on SmackDown, when they had her, I think she destroyed Dana Brooke and Carmella in the back. Two on one, if I remember correctly, and I was thinking that's the first time I'd really taken much notice of her. But it was it was the night they invaded SmackDown when mm-hmm. they were late getting back from Saudi, and, and I think she she had taken both of them out and threw Carmella over like over a barricade or something. Not the same subjects, and I'll shift right back. But I don't think that's one spot where AEW really needs to improve. Is Agreed. The women's division is, I'm not a fan. Right. No, I agree 100% with that. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I try to watch both AEW and NXT just to keep the ratings good for both of them, but I just can't right now get behind the women's 
wrestling in AEW. I mean, I'm trying to learn more of the wrestlers, but man, these women in NXT, I mean, they've got the look that they need. They've got the moves, the energy. I, I just think they're fantastic. Rhea Ripley's on fire right now. Yeah, and of course, I mean, she won the championship on Wednesday night over Shayna Baszler. So, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Shayna Baszler because, like, one thing we were kind of discussing off air was, you know, with NXT, and we'll get into Survivor Series doing so well in NXT. Are they considered like still a development brand for WWE? Are they kind of their own independent? Because, you know, Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley in a feud. That's going to draw some money. See, I, I would love to see there be no talk about Shayna Baszler moving up. I'd love it to be a her Ripley feud all the way up to Mania. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So moving on to the next match, they had Pete Dunn, Killian Dane, and Damian Priest, and that was to be the new number one contender for the NXT Championship. Pete Dunn came out the winner there, but guys, I got to tell you, that was an awesome match. That was a fantastic match. I don't think it was as good as the women's match we just discussed with Rhea Ripley's team winning, but it was right there. I mean, I thought it was an A match. So to me, I thought this was probably the match of the night, arguably. I thought it was just a step above the women's, and I, like I said, the women's I can't say enough about because it was awesome. And I think that this triple threat match, even though it wasn't really necessarily in the war game format, I thought this was an amazing match. Pete Dunn never disappoints. I wish we could see more of him. Yeah, I haven't been exposed to him a whole lot. But every time I've seen him, I've never seen him have a bad match. So all around great, very innovative, very creative, athletic. It's a good competition. And just to piggyback off you all, I had not followed Pete Dunn that much up until this point. I thought he absolutely stole the show. And, I mean, as soon as the bell rang... I mean, I was already excited for him versus Adam Cole the next night. Agreed. Yeah. I think it was his coming out party to anybody who hadn't been following him. Well, and he's another one of these wrestlers, you know, we talked about earlier where, you know, you got guys like Adam Cole and Pete Dunne and some of these guys, they're like maybe 200 pounds, 210 at best. I mean, Adam Cole's probably more like 180. You know, that's another reason Finn Balor went down. But you just got so many of these smaller guys that back in the, 80s and 90s when we were growing up, they, they wouldn't really be given a shot. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's a good segue to our next match where it was Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle. And I mean, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, obviously, I've been a fan of Finn Balor for a long time. I didn't know much about Matt Riddle, but I, I'm really impressed with him. I like his gimmick. I think he's uh, really talented. What did you guys think of the match? We'll start with Christian, and then, Scott, you can follow. You always know Finn Balor is going to deliver. Riddle, I I have not been a huge fan of, but i tell you what, I mean, he kept up with Bauer. I don't think it was a question of Bauer carrying him. Very, very impressive and very, he won me over. I mean, you expect it from Bauer, but I thought, I thought Riddle gave a great accounting of himself. Yeah. Scott, what's your take? So I thought it was a good match. It was very solid, not quite to the level of the, of the match we just talked about. To agree with both of you guys, I thought Riddle kept up with Balor. Balor did not have to carry him. One thing I like about Riddle is he brings back the old school gimmick of the barefoot, like the Von Erichs and the Jimmy Snookas of the world. I kind of like that just because it's something different, you know, nowadays. You know, it's kind of a throwback to the old days for me. So I really enjoyed the match, and I, I do like Matt Riddle. I'm, I'm interested to see what he'll have coming up. 
one quick thought on the barefoot. I kind of have mixed views. I mean, I like the throwback. On the other hand, I'm thinking, why would the other guy just stomp the guy's feet in? <laughs> you know, I mean, because we were always taught, like Al always taught us is, you know, what would you really do if you were in that situation in the ring? Well, if the guy was in right. barefoot, you would just be stomping on his feet the whole time. Right. Yeah. So, well, I, I think it's a good match. I, I am excited that Finn Balor is in NXT, to be honest with you. I think, you know, they wanted to get ratings up there and make, you know, a visible a star there. But I just think he kind of fits in better with NXT with the size of the wrestlers there because I think, for me, Finn Balor was one of these guys where, you know, he came in with great fanfare, was the first universal champion in WWE, and he had a shoulder injury. And... I mean, he had some good high points, but then he'd be kind of down. It was like up and down like a roller coaster with him. And I just feel like he's too talented. And it's a guy that we'll talk about earlier with uh, later with AEW, Pac, you know, with uh, Neville when he was in WWE. I mean, those guys are just so talented. They they need to be stars wherever they are. And I, I just think Finn Balor brings a, a much-needed star to NXT. And to be honest with you, the product that they're putting out there you could make an argument it's the best product of any of the promotions right now. It's it's good stuff. All right, so moving on to the next match. that we have the final match of the evening is the men's war games match where you have the Undisputed Era, which I know, Christian, I'll give you a chance to, to brag about them. The system, baby. Yeah. Versus Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Djokovic, and a mystery partner who turned out to be NXT alum and one of my personal favorite wrestlers, Kevin Owens. So I thought this was a fantastic match. So I think, Scott, I'll let you start off because Christian started off last time. So what was your take on this match and with Kevin Owens being the final member for Ciampa's team? So just like you guys talked about Balor going down to NXT, I think it's an awesome move for Kevin Owens to come out for an NXT event. I think it's great. I think it's a good crossover. This match gave me the true War Games feel, like we discussed at the beginning of this, talking about this pay-per-view, because I'm a huge War Games fan. I love seeing ROH guys making it big, man. We, we've talked about that on previous podcasts. If you look around, the guys headlining these pay-per-views are all Ring of Honor guys, or TNA, XTNA guys, or both. I just love seeing that. I love seeing that these guys are getting to make it big, and they're, they're getting the proper push that they deserve. Chiappa coming back from the injury. I follow him on Instagram. I've watched his physical therapy. I've watched his recovery. He's awesome. I loved him in Ring of Honor. He was like a monster in Ring of Honor. And he's doing great things in NXT, in my opinion. I can't say enough about that match. I thought it was great. So, Christian, what's your take with the Undisputed Era? And Here's where I'm going to – I know I'm going to be in the minority. First off, let's start with Chiappa. I know everybody loves him. Everybody thinks he's the greatest. I'm not 100% sold on him yet. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of his look. I don't know. I don't know what it is. To me, he, he, he doesn't have that it factor to where I feel like I have to turn the channel when he's on. You know I love Undisputed Era, so of course I loved the match. I thought the match was great. But again, I guess I'm going to go back to, again, I know I'm in the minority, I hated that Kevin Owens was in the match because of the timing of Survivor Series being the next night 
and the fact that he was going to be on Team Raw against Team NXT. I mm-hmm. think logically, and I know they threw out there, they tried to explain it away by saying he wasn't there for NXT, he was there to go after him there. But I think if they had done War Games a couple months away from Survivor Series where it's brand warfare, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. That, that's a valid uh, point. You know, I just, uh, it almost kind of, you know, I know Seth Rollins' promo the night after Survivor Series is supposed to be, you know, a, a heel promo, but I mean, really, he was kind of right about Kevin Owens, you know, saying, you know, what are you doing on the NXT team? Are you with them? Are you with us? I don't like, I think, to me, I think it goes back to, Spacing. I think if War Games was this weekend and Kevin Owens was the mystery opponent, like I think I'd have popped huge for it. I just I hated the timing of it. One night he's going into what's arguably, besides Hell in Cell, the most devastating match in wrestling history, and then the next night he's supposed to be fighting against those guys for brand supremacy. So I, I thought that was poor storytelling and poor spacing. Yeah, that is a fair point. And I think if Johnny Gargano was available, I think he would have been that fourth guy. He just wasn't ready. I know he came back this week on NXT, but I guess they were trying to pick somebody who would have a draw there as far as like NXT alum. I mean, they, you know, you could have had a, a ricochet, a Seth Rollins, but I think with Kevin Owens kind of being a hot guy right now, they just went with him. No, I, I agree, I, and, and I understand all the logic. And, yeah. and like I said, I, I know I'm in the minority. I, just, mm. <laughs> I think the, I think the spacing of it. I don't know. I, I just I don't. I just again, not to be repetitive, but just he, he's fighting with NXT guys and War Games as partners one night, and then the next night. He's fighting for Raw against NXT. Yeah. Well, I agree a little bit, Christian, on that, because I think our problem, and, and this includes you, myself, and Ben, is we grew up in the time of kayfabe, and unfortunately we live in a time now where kayfabe is practically dead, and that it really sucks for the business because, you know, kayfabe is what really made it for all of us growing up, and I think that event that you're talking about kind of takes away from kayfabe to a degree. I think you're 100% right. Christian, 100% right. since you're a big supporter of the Undisputed Era, kind of talk a little bit more about them, just because a lot of people may not know about them. Of course, you've got Adam Cole, who's NXT champion. You've got Roderick Strong, who's their North American title. Then, of course, you've got their tag team champions with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. I guess they're, they're sort of like a modern-day horseman from the 80s. Yeah, which, you know, I've always been... And I guess it's kind of been, I've always been a huge fan of factions. I've always thought factions was a great way to get, to put mid-card guys up in main event storylines. And I think WWF really struggled with that. So to me, I mean, the horsemen, to me, the horsemen are the measuring stick, you know, coming out in suits and ties having the belt, you know, four on one and everybody, four on two and everybody. 
I think Adam Cole. And one day, I'm sure, there's only so long they're going to be able to keep him a quote-unquote heel. Because, I mean, the crowd just eats him up. But, I mean, him being the leader, I mean, like I said, with the exception of uh, of Jericho and Daniel Bryan, he's my wrestler of the year. I think Roderick Storm in, that, in the Triple Threat Match Survivor Series. You know, I remember him from ROH and always thinking he was solid, but, man, he, I mean, he was great. I've always liked Kyle O'Reilly. And I'll be honest, I didn't know much about Fish until he joined Undisputed Era, and I'm still kind of watching some of his stuff. But, I mean, I'm a fan. I mean, you know, he's one of the originals. I'm not sure. I think he's the perfect example of, you know, how good would he actually be if he wasn't in the faction? Where would he be on the card? He'd be a mid-card guy. I think, I think the strength of being in a faction is put him in the main event spot. Yeah. Fish's primary talent was tag team. He was in a really solid tag team in Ring of Honor, and I cannot recall the name of them, but they were a good tag team, a good heel tag team for a while. And again, all those guys that you love, they're in the undisputed era. They're, they're all Ring of Honor guys. This was Ring of Honor, Adam Cole, big time Ring of Honor. Roddy Strong was Ring of Honor. They were all great over there. I followed them while they were over there and loved it. Hey, Scott, but what was your take in this match? I mean, you know, the undisputed era is kind of the, I mean, they're the champions for throughout NXT. They're kind of the hot heel brand. They lost this match. They put Ciampa over. What, what was your feeling on that? I was okay with it, and simply because you and I had had a pre-conversation before the pay-per-view kind of predicting what was going to happen, that's kind of a perfect segue, actually, because if I'm not mistaken, I called Roger Strong up. Well, I, I, I don't think there's any way. I, I mean, I think Undisputed Era had to lose that match. No matter who the mystery opponent would have been. I mean, they have all the belts. They have the cool entrance. I mean, if you have them win at war games, you know, then then now all of a sudden they've squashed, like, the top guys, the top baby faces. Well, and Kevin Owens coming in. And Kevin Owens, which, you know, like I said, I mean, it, it was entertaining. I mean, I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan, obviously. Like I said, for me, it was just more the timing and the spacing of the pay-per-view. I guess, Scott, I'll turn to you. Uh, one of the guys we haven't talked about in that match who's – to me, he, he's a new wrestler. To me, is is Keith Lee. You know, he's big, three hundred pound guy. It reminds me kind of like a bigger version of Tony Atlas from back in the day in the eighties. I, I was a big Tony Atlas fan. Talk about your thoughts on Keith Lee because he started to emerge quite a bit lately. So Keith Lee, to me, and this is kind of a crossover conversation between the War Games, which is what we're discussing now, and kind of fading into the uh, Survivor Series a little bit, but. Keith Lee, to me, he kind of showed out. I mean, he he was kind of a breakout star. He got to show, you know, some of his athleticism. And I see where you would compare him to a Tony Atlas, except Keith Lee isn't quite built as good as Tony Atlas. However, he's more of an athlete than Tony Atlas, if, if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense to what yeah. I'm trying to say, because the guy's explosive. He, he can move for a 300-pound guy. I mean, he's getting around that ring like, guys half his size i'm with you you know before the past few events i wasn't real familiar with the guy but he just really stood out 
in the War Games match to me. I, I thought he did an excellent job, and he showcased himself. Yeah, and I guess on his build, I mean, I'm, I mentioned Tony Atlas. I mean, obviously Keith Lee, he's not cut and ripped like Mr. Yeah. USA Tony Atlas. I mean, but I think he's, you know, a he's not Mark Henry. I mean, Mark Henry had the bigger build and stuff, but he's got more athleticism right. than, than Mark Henry. So, so Christian, what's your take on Keith Lee? He is a monster. He is going to be, he's going to be big time. Ben, I hate to disagree with you, but I'm, I'm going to. Your partner, I think, is uh, more on, uh, I agree with him more on the Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas, to me, was a bodybuilder with not a whole lot of athleticism or wrestling ability. Keith Lee probably has double the body fat that I have, but is probably in the top 15 athletically in the company. He's just a joy to watch at his size. I think he's a future world champion. Yeah, and I think eventually they'll they'll put a belt on him, and I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, we were talking about, you know, where is NXT? Are they going to be this, like, an equal brand kind of a thing, or are they going to kind of always be thought of as, as a little bit lower because Keith Lee is a guy he's going to draw. And one of the things he also brings to is he's another big athletic guy that can come in and go against some of these bigger guys like a Braun Strowman or a Baron Corbin or a Roman Reigns or whatever. And I think the other thing too, you know, WWE is always looking for diversity in, in wrestling. He brings that. He brings it not only from the race standpoint, but also from his presentation because He's a very like calm demeanor. It's almost like a slow sizzle, and then all of a sudden he's just like a big pop, and then he just goes off. And he's well spoken. He's very unique. There's nobody. I guess the closest thing I can compare him to, not in personality, but I guess maybe in, it's kind of like Kevin Owens. You know, out of shape, doesn't really look like he could go as an athlete. But in my opinion, is is, is one of the best wrestlers you know on the roster. Yeah, but but certainly doesn't look like it. That doesn't look like the guy spends ten minutes in the gym. Maybe he's like a Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think one guy that they should match him up with is actually a guy that was participating in that match, who was an XROH guy who went by Dijak, and I think they call him the Jackovic over there. He's also a bigger guy. I think they can work an angle between those two, either where they have a major feud or they could become a dominant tag team. NXT. I think those two guys need to work together. Yeah, I think they've had them. Um, they had a feud for a little while, and I think they put that feud aside for the common good of the team. I hate to say them put him back in the tag team. I think at this point, you know, I guess the way everybody else feels about Champa, that's how I feel about Keith Lee. I think I think he's the star, maybe. Well, I tell you what, the next night when they had that match, and they did have those two guys in the tag team, but Adam Cole came running down the entry ramp. And Keith Lee just bowled him over. I mean, he just plowed Adam Cole into the stands. Oh, I mean, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. Killed it. I'm excited for Keith Lee. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with him in 2020. And uh, ultimately, they put Chiampa and them over. And that kind of leads us into our Survivor Series. And so, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm kind of going to go Survivor Series a little bit in reverse here because since we're talking about Keith Lee and – Champa and all those guys. I'm going to start with the match where um, we had the Raw team, SmackDown, and NXT in the War Games with the men. So you had the NXT guys that we mentioned with Champa. They had Matt Riddle on that team, Keith Lee, and 
Damien Priest, surprisingly, but he's good. And Walter, this guy I'd never heard of, but he's from NXT Great Britain. And of course, uh, and I'm a huge guy. And then in SmackDown, they had King Corbin, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Short G, Chad Gable, and Ali. And then Raw, they had um, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Ricochet, Randy Orton, and uh, Drew McIntyre. And Scott, this is one where when we were doing the picking, we picked SmackDown because we were like, okay, they're not going to let Roman Reigns lose. Fox is not going to want Roman Reigns to made to look bad or potentially weak here. And ultimately, Roman Reigns did win. But it was surprising that the guy he had to, to win over was Keith Lee. So they pushed NXT more over Seth Rollins and Raw. And I personally love the fact when Keith Lee powerbombed Seth Rollins and, and, and pinned him. So what was your take on that match? It was huge. And I, I was like you all. I thought the, the Fox deal, I thought SmackDown was for sure going to win, have the most wins on the night. Obviously, that wasn't the case. So I was, which again, not to harp on it, but I, I think that it really needs to, to make a decision, you know, what they're going to do with NXT. It, it, you know, go into the brand pay-per-view and they destroy the other two brands. But they're really still seen as kind of the developmental brand. I don't know. Maybe next year, maybe they wait a year, and next year they have a draft, you know, with all three brands and, and kind of spread the superstars out. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just, it, to me, it just seems kind of odd what they're doing. Yeah. I agree with that. But to go back into the match a little bit more, as much as I said Lee was a standout in war games, I've even got it written on my note sheet. <laughs> Lee was a complete standout in this pay-per-view, he, in that match in Survivor Series. He stole the show. I thought he was the star of the show for that entire tag team Survivor Series. I mean, I, I thought he stood out more than Reigns. I thought he stood out more than anybody you can name in that match. And, yes, him power bombing Rollins was amazing. I loved it. I thought the booking was very good. I agree with Christian, though. What, what are we doing with NXT? You know, I, as I was running down through all these matches, that's exactly what I was thinking and, and questioning. Are they the inferior brand? Are they the training ground now? To me, I don't think they are. I think they're the most entertaining brand of the three in WWE. I mean, and I think that they're doing the right thing by putting NXT up against AEW if they are trying to compete with AEW because if they were putting SmackDown on over there, honestly, I wouldn't even flip the channel. Yeah, you know what's interesting? The thing that's interesting with NXT is when they do their filming, it's at Full Sail University over in Orlando. And so that arena is not really that big. And so it's interesting to me. It's tiny, isn't it? I mean, I don't even, how many does it hold? That's down in your area. Yeah, I'm not as sure, but I think, I mean, I think it's less than 2,500. I mean, I think it's almost like the old world class days when they were doing um, the matches there in Dallas at the Sportatorium. It reminded me a lot of the old ECW arena, you know, where you right. have like pretty much the same fans every week, um, <laughs> you know, give it the same chance every week. Yeah. Well, their crowds are <laughs> the hot though. The Hawaiian shirt. And the guy that looked like the guy with the long black hair and the, and the, and the goatee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, as far as the match, I mean, I thought for the most part it was good. I liked the ending where, I mean, I knew Reigns was going to go over and fine, but he made Keith Lee look strong, which I thought was important. I was glad Rollins didn't get pushed over over Keith Lee because, to me, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of Seth Rollins right now, and I know we'll get to this a little bit later. But, I mean, 
Yeah. yeah. I thought Ricochet was good. I like that they gave Chad Gable uh, some good moments there. I would have liked to have seen Drew McIntyre get a little bit better of a push. I was very disappointed that Braun Strowman got a count out, but it's one of those things where they're trying to keep him strong, I guess. And so I guess if he doesn't get pinned and he gets counted out, they're trying to keep him strong. But I thought it was weird. I thought it was weird. I didn't like it. I thought Braun Strowman looked bad. I think they've really messed up Braun Strowman. I do too. Uh, Agreed. I mean, starting from a year ago, I mean, I thought it was going to be his breakout year. I did too. Um, I'll be honest. I have no idea what they're doing with him. I mean, at this point, I just assume uh, turning heel. Yep. Ben and I had this discussion. I feel like they're taking Braun Strowman right down the exact same road that they did the big show. He was never as dominant as they should have been, and they never used him like they should have. Yeah, but I just thought it was weird. I mean, to have him in there and to lose by count, I just thought it was weak. But my only... The only thing I could justify was, well, if he doesn't take a pin, then he's still kind of strong. But, I mean, losing by a count out, that's pretty ridiculous too. So that was my big disappointment from it. I thought for the most part everybody was pretty good. But it was interesting, though, that NXT came out as number two in that, you know, where do they go from from there? The next match I want to transition to, going to one of Christian's favorite, we have Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend. Christian, what was your take on that match with Daniel Bryan and the Fiend? And the I Fiend won. Problem. I mean, it, it, you knew there was no way Daniel Bryan was going to win. I mean, they had like what a, a week buildup, a one week buildup, mm-hmm. week and a half buildup. I think all three of us could have called the match exactly how it was going to win. It went how we picked start it. Off strong. Mm-hmm. Daniel would come back. Daniel would deliver a big comeback. Wouldn't be able to put him away. And then would get put away. No, I, I was not a big fan of the match. Yeah, Scott, what was um, your take on it? So I think the match was solid, but I agree with Christian. There wasn't enough build up going to it. And then on the podcast prior to all these pay per views, I told you what my what I was hoping for is that Daniel Bryan would turn heel and join Bray or the Fiend or whatever we want to call him. He, he's doing kind of a Mick Foley thing. Right now with the duo personalities, but it, I, and I, I, and I do like how they're doing with, that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good thing. I always like the dude love and the mankind and the Cactus Jack personas of, of Mick Foley, and I and I I think that Bray Wyatt carries that quite well. But I would love to see Daniel Bryan turn heel and go back with with Bray. You know, he did a brief stint with the family uh, right. there. They even alluded to it briefly on SmackDown. Bray said, uh, you know, I once had a family, and they showed a clip of Daniel Bryan, Harper, and Bryan. Right. Or Harper and Rowan, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I mean, how many times have they turned Daniel Bryan in the past year? True. So, I mean, I think at, at this point... I'm kind of excited. I think we're going to see an entertaining Daniel Bryan Miz tag team. And that could be very entertaining. <laughs> kind of along the lines of a Daniel Bryan and Kane. <laughs> yeah. I love, but I, I love that team. But, but I think could be even better because of the history. Right. Because they hate each other. Or their personas hate each other. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think they're taking the title off Bray Wyatt anytime soon. I agree. So, I think 
I don't know if they're going to have Corbin win this triple threat. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I assume they're going to have Daniel Bryan win the triple threat match next week. Him get the shot at Wyatt at the Rumble. Maybe something happens where Daniel Bryan's getting screwed, and maybe to solidify Miz as a baby face, Miz comes out and makes like the legitimate save after the match. Yeah. I can't see him going Corbin Wyatt. No, I don't think so. No, I agree. And they're not going to go Miz again. But I think they can, they can do something to make Miz a more, a more legitimate baby face. Like, Daniel Bryan had the win, he gets screwed by, like, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt antics. You know, he get beat down after the match. You know, Miz comes down and makes, like, a real save on Daniel Bryan. We're just, like, we're getting O'Brien actually, like, respects him and thanks him. Something to make the tag team more legitimate. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to be honest, I mean, we're talking Survivor Series, but I think it's kind of a good point to kind of – just to talk about the fiend a little bit more and then his match at TLC with, with Seth Rollins and kind of talk about the state of the fiend. Like, what do we think about it? Because I gotta be honest, that TLC match, Bray Wyatt versus the Miz. I'm sorry. I thought that was a horrible match. I mean, the only thing that was good about it was at the end when Daniel Bryan came out and after the match and he attacked the fiend, that was the only thing that was good about it because I mean, you know, the Miz was getting his licks in on the Fiend, and the Fiend was doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, he pins the the Miz with a, a sister Abigail. So I thought the match was terrible, but I thought Daniel Bryan coming in was the only good part. Christian, what what's your take on that? We transitioned. I'm not hundred percent sure if the Universal Title was even on the line. Honestly, no. It was and it was Bray Wyatt versus the Miz, but it was just kind of weird. It was a weird match. Right, but I'm saying I don't even know if it was a title. I don't know if they ever even announced it was a title match. I don't think it was. I mean, I'm with you. Uh, no build-up, because, you know, originally it was supposed to be Daniel Bryan getting a rematch. They threw Miz into it. I mean, I think the whole point of it was to have Daniel Bryan come out at the end. Yeah. So I think they're kind of... I think they're going to try to use Daniel Bryan and The Fiend to try to help elevate Miz as a bigger baby face. Yeah, they only built up. I, and, and I really think that they're going to keep the title on Bray for a while. Again, I know I've said it six times. I think a Ms. Daniel Bryan tag team, where they're on the same page, would be something that I would tune in to watch. Right. They, the only build-up they did was they, they threw together something like a week before or a couple weeks before and went the easy route and had Bray mess with Ms.'s family. So... <laughs> Which we've seen them do a hundred times. Right. You know, right. They've gotten so lazy on on SmackDown. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I actually went to a a house show, um, one of their Christmas shows, and the the Fiend was there. And he was supposed to go against Braun Strowman, but Braun got hurt the night before, so he came in and wrestled Shinsuke Nakamura, which was actually a, a pretty good match. But I don't know. It's just... The whole Fiend thing's been kind of weird, but in that match, the Fiend, the crowd was cheering the Fiend big time. I mean, he was definitely the face. I mean, you had, like, little kids there in Fiend masks and stuff, like four or five years old, so. I, and he, he is the baby. Well, I mean, when the Firefly Funhouse music hits, I mean, that's one of the biggest pops on the show. It is. Right. It is. And so, I've got to 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. I agree with you guys. I think they keep the Fiend as, or Bray Wyatt, the Fiend as champion for a while because they've just, they put a lot into that, that makeover. And I think if you lose him as a champion right away, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think he carries it at least until uh, WrestleMania, and we'll see what happens there. The problem is with them, you just never know when he's going to change his mind. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I mean, he, he might decide in two weeks that he wants Corbin to win the Rumble. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. I do think Corbin's kind of funny, honestly. <laughs> And, and I think he works pretty good for a big guy. Yeah. He's a good heel. But, I mean, you can't start every SmackDown with like a 15-minute Baron Corbin promo. Right. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of losing some steam on, on Corbin, but it's kind of like, you know, they really don't have another big heel to go against Roman Reigns over there. I mean, let's say turn Braun Strowman heel, but I don't think they're going to do that because it looks like he's going into a a series with Shinsuke Nakamura that I I even posted on WWE's Instagram today when they posted about it. I'm like, put the belt on on Strowman now. I mean, this guy has got to be pushed or something in 2020 because, I mean, I thought 2019, I just thought was a terrible year for Braun Strowman. And and he's a big athletic guy. I mean, he even in that match with Seth Rollins for the championship this year, he was flying off the top of, of the the ring. I mean, he hit that sp- missed the splash, but I mean, he's a big athlete, and I just think he's going to waste. Well, you know what I think they really messed him up, and it might have been a year and a half ago. It was he had the Money in the Bank contract. It was Roman Reigns versus Brock. And Strom was at ringside pretty much making it clear that he was going to cash in on the winner. And Brock basically ended up, like, destroying him, like, F5-ing him outside the ring before he could even, like, cash it in. Like, made him look like an idiot. Right. And then it was kind of like all that, like, seemed like it killed his momentum. Agreed. Yeah. I remember that scenario. It was very odd how they did that. Well, nothing else killed him more than that series with Tyson Fury. I mean, that was a joke. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah, I, I try to pretend like that didn't happen. Well, I, th- I think that's a good suggestion. So, going back to Survivor Series, I want to get into the tag teams a little bit here. Ben, I got to take you a task here. I know. For you to call, for you to call the Viking Raiders. I might change. You never know. I might change. Yeah. <laughs> ben, all they do is fight jobbers. Every week, <laughs> they, they, they need to get better tag teams in Raw because they're all. If, all they, the, if they had one legitimate match on Raw, <laughs> well, all right, back on task, back on task. Yeah, so we had the Viking Raiders versus Undisputed Era versus the New Day, and I was kind of surprised here because they they had the Viking Raiders go over, and and Scott and I's podcast leading into Survivor Series, we picked the New Day to win, but they have the Viking Raiders go over. So, so Christian, talk about your friends, the Viking Raiders going over in this match. <laughs> I told you all, I thought, that, I thought the New Day should have gone over for sure because I thought you could sell that Undisputed Era had gone through war games last night, and they were selling it, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, so they weren't at 100%. So I think, I think it doesn't hurt them to take the loss. Mm-hmm. And... 
I mean, I guess at some point you have to give the Viking Raiders a win, but I just, I think they're being booked terribly on Raw every week. There's not much over there. I've I've mildly been entertained by lately is the Gallows and Anderson. That's all they have over there. I didn't didn't mention this. Gallows is a good buddy of mine. Super nice guy. Good old country boy. Like, it's not like anytime he comes in town and they have a show, all he, all, he texts me immediately and says, what time are we going to the strip club? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, fine. All he wants to do is drink beer and go to the strip club. Great guy. So I'm, I'm glad to see that they're, they're getting some success and getting a good rub from AJ. I've enjoyed that they've at least had the Viking Raiders, you know, go against another big team. But overall, I'm very disappointed with the Viking Raiders based on what I've seen in the next tee off of them. Yeah. Well, the reason why I voted that, I mean, I, I do like them. I mean, when they first came into WWE, I was like, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really that into them. Um, I thought it was like insanity where they had Dillian Kane and Eric Young and, and his group. I thought it was too similar to that. But then when I saw Ibar, the big guy, doing like these cartwheels and diving through, I'm like, dang, you know, they're pretty good. But I just don't think the tag team division over in Raw is very good. I mean, you've got Gallows and Anderson and the Viking Raiders, and that's basically it. So, yes, they are champions, but they are weak champions. But And I just felt like that, to me, the New Day should have gone over there because Kofi Kingston had such a strong year, and you're trying to keep him hot. So I really didn't understand that. Scott, what was your take on this? Because we picked the New Day. So, yeah, I, I picked the New Day. I thought they would, would win here. But to kind of make Christian's point, they do book them terribly on Raw. So I feel like that this win was needed. I think it was a good win, even though I didn't predict it. I think it legitimizes the Viking Raiders a little bit more because they actually had some real competition in with them. And the New Day's hot right now. I mean, they're, they're a tough tag team. You know, they, they've been tough all year long. I think, and, they, and they're always going to be. You know, they right. can lose. They can lose, and I don't think it hurts them. It don't, and I, that's why I think this one was actually booked pretty good because the Viking Raiders, to your point, needed that that win. They needed to be legitimized, and I think it helped with that. As a fan, though, if I was picking my ideal triple threat, if you had the revival in in there instead of the Viking Raiders, and you had the revival, the undisputed oh. era, and the New Day, that's an awesome yeah. match right there. That match, that match could have possibly sold the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, speaking of those guys stealing the show, we're going to transition over to that match between the New Day and the Revival in TLC, the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs match. I thought it was the best match on the card. I thought both teams did a great job. And I got to tell you, when I went to that match to see them in Daytona, it was a triple threat match with those two teams and um, Otis and, and Tucker from Heavy Machinery. But Oh, the, but but the revival, the, the revival are, are such good heels. I mean, even when they were walking in, they were just great heels with the, the fans. I mean, they're, they're just such a good team. I just thought that match in TLC was fantastic. So, Christian, what's your take on that match? Honestly, really the only match worth watching on the show. Yeah. Like, and the New Day won uh, that match, but it was a great one. You know, and, and here's what I hate. I've read that Randy Orton and the Revival wanted to be a faction and, and said no on it. 
and I think that would have been a, a nice faction. Yeah, I think so. That would have been good. I, I didn't realize that they were talking about doing that. That that would have been a great faction. Yeah, Scott, what was your take on this match? I thought it was an amazing match. It was a classic tag team battle. I enjoyed it. I thought Kofi was a standout, which he deserves to be. I enjoyed seeing Big E bring out some unusual moves. I think that him diving through the ropes is something you don't always see him do. Actually, him doing his finisher off of the ladder was, was excellent. I think the match was booked well, so I, overall I was pleased with that one. Yeah. Yeah, I've been waiting for two years for Big E to get a big single push. Yeah, I've heard rumors about that too. I, I think Big E's great. I have to agree. I thought probably about a year to a year and a half ago, I, in my gut, I felt Big E was going to leave the New Day, and I thought that he was going to go maybe turn heel and get a single push or something, and it never came to fruition. So, you know, I, I'm still waiting on that as well. It's funny that, you know, AEW has more tag teams that are good than all. So, I mean, maybe, maybe they really need to do something. I don't know if they need to go back to just having one set of tag team titles. Just having a raw tag team title. I mean, I don't, who am I missing besides... Well, one of the problems is the Usos are out, and and the Hardy Boys aren't an option right now because Jeff Hardy had his legal issues. So, by having the Usos I mean, out, that's a major. Gonna, does he give us like a DUI like every few months? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's been his pattern. Right. He started getting bad in WWE, and he carried it over in TNA, and had a major screw up in TNA, and then it's been the same ever since. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting to, to see because the SmackDown tag division is is really a whole lot better. But the fact of the Usos being out is just a huge problem for really Raw because, I mean, there is no competition for the Viking Raiders other than Gallows and Anderson over there unless you try to make Zack Ryder and Hawkins relevant. But they don't even throw the B team out there for to be jobbers out there. So it's just, I don't know, they need to do something in that Raw tag team division. I don't know if you need to call up an NXT team or two or yeah, or put together a makeshift team or what. Well, I think that would actually work out if they would bring up NXT, at least one good team to come up and wreak havoc and, and get it stirred up a little bit. I think that would be a good move. Either that or, you know, this whole thing with Seth Rollins and the AOP. I mean, is the AOP, are they really going to be a tag team that would go in and battle? Because I tell you, that would be a good matchup with the Viking Raiders and AOP. You know, it would. I've got a bad feeling they're going to use AOP just as much hole for a while. Just as coming out in their suit and being in Rollins' corner. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they're doing. Well, I was just kind of curious because, I mean, I just think their tag division over in Raw is just really disappointing right now. And that's why I feel like, you know, with the Revival, you always hear these rumors, well, are they going to go to AEW? And, and I know that they signed a, a newer contract and stuff. But, man, if the Revival left, I mean, there's just a huge void in the tag team division. I hope they go to AEW so bad. Well, if they did, I mean, do you can you imagine these matches with the Revival? And then you got the Young Bucks over there. You got Santana and Ortiz. I mean, obviously the Revival. SCU. Yeah, SCU. You know, there there's a lot going on over there. I mean, maybe – they have some plans to try to get Angelo Dawkins and um, oh, the other guy that's on the team. Street Profits. Yeah. 
I, I like those guys. I mean, I think they, I think they're funny. I think they're good on the mic. I, I mean, they're gonna have to do something to have this tag team division better. I think they're they're solid. I don't think they're as good as Gallows and Anderson by far. But switching gears real quick, can we talk about a terrible faction, the Dark Order. Oh my gosh. Yes, I'm sorry. We're going to have to leave WWE, but I saw this video where the Dark Order came in, and there's this video where, like, the guy's throwing punches, and he's not even close to the guy's head, and, like, Twitter was just going... Where he's trying to punch Dustin the other night? Yeah, or or Cody. Yeah. No, it was ridiculous. I mean, I will have to... I need some work. I will have to say on AEW, I mean, you know, not not to transition over, but since we're on it, and Rodney disagreed with that, too. (laughs) Yeah, you, you don't like the what's going on over there either. But, um, <laughs> and poor Jr. doesn't even know anybody's names or how to call anybody's news anymore. Yeah. I love Jr. Right. Well, the thing that's problematic that I've I've seen with AEW lately, other than you know, I mean Jericho has been great, but just so many of their matches seem so overly scripted. It's like, okay, you got this great match with the Young Bucks, and you got Santino and Ortiz. And it's like so obvious that one of them's like grabbing the trash can to make sure it's positioned right. And it's like, oh, well, let me scoot over a little bit. So I'm going to be in the right place for the, the fall. Or And these punches, they're not even close to hitting. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I, I kind of feel that way on suicide dives these days. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Agreed. They're, they're all you know what? You want to talk about comeback? You want to talk about somebody who's made a great comeback who – is Tony Schiavone. <laughs> I, I think he's been tremendous. Evon. Chris Jericho called him Evon. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think he's been great. I think he's been awesome. I, I love having that. Well, you, you know, know, one of the classics. In the Nitro, I really, he really started to get on my nerves. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's been great. Well, and I, I think... I mean, I think Excalibur is good too. I mean, I think you bring Jr. back just because he's, you know, this classic guy and everything. But I mean, I have seen some brings legitimacy. Yeah, and and he's and he's still great and everything. But I have seen some of the wrestling online things giving him some criticism because they're like, well, you know, he does do a lot of criticism of the AEW matches from time to time, where he doesn't like the style and he's maybe like too old school and that. And the particular author on that website was like, you know, you should really be pushing the wrestlers more. And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with any of the announcers per se, but that was just some feedback I was seeing on JR. Right. I mean, I'm always going to be a JR fan. I mean, yeah. even Hard during the fake diesel, fake razor. I mean, I was one of the ones <laughs> that was for JR. <laughs> Poor JR. He suffered a beating on that one. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to bring back one of your favorites. The bad guy. Crazy. Well, getting back into the Survivor Series um, match, we get back to the women. And in this triple threat match, we've got the the WWE Raw team. something real quick, Ben? Okay, go ahead. And I know this might not be politically correct. And I know we're trying to make women, we're trying to pretend like women matches are equal, but Okay, the women main evented WrestleMania, that's great. Did they really need the main event Survivor Series? Did they really need the main event? I mean, they're not the main eventers. I'm sorry. 
Well, I think if it's the right match, they could. So, like, I don't have a problem with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair main eventing. But if they're main eventing over and over, it's kind of the same story. If it's the best match, then, yeah, I'm all for it. So, I, I had no problem with it for WrestleMania, but I, but I definitely see your oh, point well, there. I was fine with it. But yeah. Survivor Series, I'm not sure if that was the match that should have gone on last. I don't think so, based on the ultimate result of it. I mean, we why don't we just transition into that one now? That was Becky Lynch versus Bailey and um, Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler. I, I seen her face and just couldn't remember her name. I mean, that was one when Scott and I were talking about it. We were like, we don't know who's going to win there. We think it's going to. We picked Becky Lynch, but we just knew that Bailey was going to be the one who took the loss, and ultimately that was the case. But. Right. Scott, what was your take on that match? Because honestly, I was—I thought it was a disappointing match. It was okay, but it was, and I think that we're all right on the same page here. For my note that I took way earlier, <laughs> I'm going to tell you exactly quote what I wrote. This was a good match, but needed a little more. Uh, not sure if my adrenaline was spent by previous matches, but not sure this one should have ended the pay per view. <laughs> That's a quote exactly from my handwriting. So. It sounds like Christian and I are right on the same same page, and and being and you as well, this did not be need to be the main event. It was a good match. I think the main event event definitely should have been the three five team men's teams. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that one hundred percent. Well, the thing Uh, was also the way to end the show for Roman and for Keith Yep. The thing that I love about it though is Ben and I actually called this outcome in this match. We both said that Bailey would take the loss and there was a good chance that Baszler would, would be the one pinning her. So it, the reason they did that is they didn't want Baszler to pin Becky because they're pushing Becky, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm proud of us for making the call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was that far fetched of a call, but I'll give you credit where credit's due. I mean yep, just yep. two things I don't know what they're doing with Bailey, honestly. I don't either. Well, the thing I didn't like about it was the fact that, all right, well, Becky takes kind of a beatdown and Shayna gets the pin, but yet then there there's the beatdown of Becky and Shayna Baszler. And I'm like, okay, so where's that kind of going from here? Are they kind of – is this a prequel of something in uh, WrestleMania where they're going to try to have Shayna come back in? Is Shayna, now that she lost the belt to Rhea Ripley, is she going to come up to Raw? But now you've got this whole thing with Becky and Asuka, so – I don't really know what's going on. And now, and now you're hearing rumors, too, that um, Ronda Rousey is going to be coming back pretty soon. So I'm not real sure. But what this match did do for me is it started my feeling that I'm starting to get tired of Becky. Yeah, no question. So. I agree. And what, what they want to do on their own time was fine. But if she was going to date Seth Rollins, I think they should have kept that private. Agreed. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that did her any favors. Yeah. I mean, I still think she's good, but I just think that it's not the same. And they even had on Raw, you know, Becky was saying, yeah, she's kind of been off her game lately. And Asuka, you know, winning over over her at TLC. But it's, it's just kind of interesting. And, you know, back to the tag teams, here you got Raw, you got the Kabuki Warriors with Asuka and um, Kari Sane as champions. Kabuki Warriors are carrying things, I think, in the women's division. They are, but I agree. Uh, but they don't have any tag teams. I mean, th- to go against because they're having to put Charlotte Flair and um, Becky Lynch together because the Iconics haven't been on for a while, and they don't have anybody else. Interesting. I'd like to see 
whether they put her with somebody who did singles. I'm a Carmella fan. I'd like to see her get more of a push. She might. I think she's she's always solid. I mean, she's got a good look. She's always good in the ring. So, Scott, what, what's your take on where do you think um, the direction of, of Becky Lynch should go right now? I think they should give her a breather. I think that she needs a break. I think the fans need a break from her. Christian made a good point earlier where she's kind of suffering the same thing that John Cena and Roman Reigns and some of the main names have suffered. They push them so much we get sick of them. Don't push them down our throat. Let it be organic. Let us come to love them. Don't, don't push them down our throat. That's something that Vince McMahon has always been noticed for. Which is exactly why Becky got popular to begin with. Right. It was organic. Yep. That's exactly right. The fans grew to love her because she was who she was. And then they saw a little pop and then they just ran it to death. And then now everybody's like, okay, it's dying down. I'm hoping Nia Jax is going to come back pretty soon. I've, I've been seeing where she, um, has been doing rehab and things like that, but it, I think she's still several months away. But maybe by WrestleMania, she'll be ready to come back. And yeah, you know, I've always been a fan of hers. Absolutely, she could, she could bring it back. I think. Well, I'm a huge Nia Jax fan too. I like her, but I think she faces the issue that Braun Strowman does with her being so much bigger than everybody else. It's harder to book her because, like, when she was going against Alexa Bliss, we know in the real world there's no way Alexa Bliss could could touch. Nia Jax, but yet they had her losing to Nia Jax, and or, or Nia Jax losing, and I'm like, you know, it just made no sense. And right. she came in and, and was so dominant, and then she yeah, got the uh, reason back. I, man, I love Alexa Bliss. I just wish she was a, she was just a few inches taller. Oh, I think she's fantastic. Right. I, I think Alexa Bliss is fantastic. Fan. I'm a huge fan of Alexa, but we all know that it, it's hard to make it legitimate that she would beat Nia. I was just saying cleanly. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, as far as the women's division right now, I mean, I do love Alexa Bliss, and I don't know if y'all saw um, she was on uh, FS1's wrestling recap, and they were like criticizing, saying that she only a fan on Twitter was saying that she only got where she got because of her look and this and that, and she went off on him. But oh, I, I love I love that show, by the way. Oh yeah. my God, huh? I texted Punk the other day and told him how disappointing he's been on the show, and he got pissed at me. Yeah. <laughs> I think with Alexa Bliss, I mean, they were kind of foreshadowing her going against Mandy Rose and it got be like the two pretty blondes. But then they kind of right. backed off on it, and those matches were, were pretty lame in my opinion. But I thought that would be a pretty good match because Mandy Rose kind of needs a push. That would have been a good a good feud because they were the two little pretty girls. You know, well, it looks like they're going like to do something with Mandy Rose and uh... Otis. The goofy guy from having Chris Farley from having Machine. I, I saw that. <laughs> I was looking at that on Instagram earlier. That, that's pretty funny, actually. It's probably the biggest pop I've popped for Mandy Rose in a year. Right. It, it will be. I mean, because whether you like Otis or not, he gets huge pops. I mean, when he came out at the match I was at, I mean, he gets huge pops because, I mean, he's kind of like the guy that so many wrestling fans can relate to i mean the blue collar right. guy he's funny i mean is he the most talented guy in the ring no but it's it's funny when he does the worm thing and he has charisma so and it is his birthday he's today chris farley. he's he, the chris farley wrestling man that's it i don't know did you all watch total divas by chance no I, sometimes i do sometimes my wife you know it was it was it was interesting because uh 
What's name? Sonia Deville. Yeah. You know, they really played up this season, you know, how she's, how big she is and the, like, the gay lesbian community and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's something they, they should be doing with her on, on TV as a push. And then I guess Carmella kind of squashed her last night and made her tap out. And it was just, it was kind of odd, I thought. Yeah. That I, is odd. I do like Sonia as a wrestler. I think she's, she's talented. But it was interesting that booking decision last night because I, I mean, I even saw an interview with Mandy Rose where they were saying that they had were going to have a discussion with WWE Creative about maybe having a some type of you know lesbian angle. On Total Divas, Sonya had pushed hard for that, and they were going to do it at WrestleMania, and then Vince cut it at the end. Yeah, and you know all this stuff with Mandy and Otis. I couldn't help but think today where it's like they're going to play it up and something's going to happen, but ultimately Mandy doesn't end up with Otis and she goes into the lesbian angle with Sonia. She's going to end up like playing Otis. Like, yeah. I mean, that, tricking him, like making him look like a chump. Yeah, that's where I kind of saw that going. But for all of those wrestlers with you know Otis and, and Tucker and Mandy Rose and um, Sonya Deville, they do need a push. I mean, I think Otis is over. The question is: Is you, wh- who do you push them over? Do you push them over the New Day? I mean, they're the two most popular tag teams in the division right now, and you don't want to push them too much over, um, well, the Revival, because I mean they're yeah, hot I, too, I, and they'll kind of trade some. I definitely would not push Heavy Machinery far, but I, I would like to see if they're going to keep Mandy Rose and Sonya together. I wouldn't mind seeing them in a tag team feud with the Kabuki Warriors. Yeah. But going back to our Survivor Series, we'll go to the Women's Survivor Series where, you know, you had that raw team of Charlotte Flair, Asuka, Kari Sane, Natalya, and Sarah Logan. NXT had Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, Candice LeRae, and Tony Storm. And then for SmackDown, you had Sasha Banks, Dana Brooke, Carmella, Nikki Cross, and Lacey Evans. And the team that ended up winning this thing, to my surprise, was the NXT team. With Rhea Ripley. So, Scott, what was your take on that? I was a little surprised, but this match was really good. I enjoyed it. If you can tell that they're pushing the show at NXT, we've touched on this two or three times in this conversation, but I think that they're trying to show that NXT is no longer the minor league or the development brand. I, I think they're showing that NXT is strong, especially in the women's division, because the women's division is where, you know, the other two brands are pretty strong, too. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of talent. And Rhea Ripley and her team showed up. I mean, I, I thought they did well. So I was a little shocked, but overall, I think it's good if they're pushing the NXT narrative. I think it was a good one, a good choice. I agree. I, I wasn't really that surprised either. I thought it was because you're setting up a couple things. You're setting up dissension between Charlotte and Kabuki Warriors. Mm-hmm. So Give them a pass on losing. And I think the real foreshadowing is. I think when Rhea Ripley wins that match, you know that she's about ready to dethrone Shayna Baszler. Yeah, she be, she's legit. She got legitimized. She's got a good look, a unique look. Crowd loves her. Yeah, she's so physically intimidating. I mean, she's a big woman. Reminds me of China, kind of. Yeah, I mean, not as muscular, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's someone that. I mean, me as a guy, I mean, shoot, I wouldn't want to pick a fight with her at all. I mean, I'd probably lose. Well, I, I, when it was probably to it, I would. 
but she's big uh, and in shape. I mean, she's in shape. There's not an ounce of fat on her. She's just big and strong. Yeah. So I, I was surprised with the win, but honestly, like we talked about earlier, the women in NXT are really good. I mean, they really are. You know, I was I was glad to see Sasha Banks to be the surviving, the last person in the ring with with Rhea because I I really think Sasha Banks is is outstanding. I know Christian, you you mentioned that earlier as well. I think she's just really talented there. I think she's money. Yeah. She's got a great look, and I, I was glad um, Lacey Evans had a good look because I, I do like Lacey. I like Lacey. I don't like her gimmick. I'd like to see her repackaged. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see them play off more of that she was a Marine, scrap this whole sexy Southern sassy Belle thing. Right. I agree with that. Well, you know, if they're going to make her a face, maybe they do that because they had Sasha Banks going after her daughter on SmackDown last uh, well, night. It seems like they started her face turn almost two or three weeks ago. Yeah. When she came out. And so I would scrap that whole whatever she's doing now. Because yeah. she's got the look. She can go in the ring. She's good on the mic. I shouldn't have to say that stupid stuff from a stupid southern accent. That's like clearly <laughs> fake. Mm-hmm. Right? But uh, I think she's a stud. Yeah. So what do you guys see for Charlotte Flair right now? Because if they're going to have Oscar going against Becky Lynch, you know, who's the rival for Charlotte Flair right now? Because, I mean, if they're going to match her up against Kari Sane, I mean, to me, that's not really a good matchup because Charlotte's just so much more physically advanced than Kari Sane. I don't know that that's a believable match, but it, those two women have got to have something going on. I think they may be holding Charlotte Flair out for Nia Jackson. We touched on it a little bit. Charlotte would be the only one on the roster that could legitimately put up a good fight with Nia. They may take Charlotte out of the spotlight for five minutes. You know, this is is totally fantasy booking on my end. I know they'll never do this, but I'd love it if if Charlotte got put down on NXT for a while. Uh, It would be great. Put put her in some, put her, uh, let her and Rhea Ripley have a series of matches. That would be awesome. That's a good idea, actually. That's a very good idea. You know, I don't, I don't know logistically how they get her down there, how the booking, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess they really don't care about the booking or the booking making sense, but you put her down there, I guess, as a heel saying, you know, she's been sent down to class up this dump and, you know, <laughs> put her and Rhea Ripley in a feud. And man, I think that I think that's, a, that's a main event female right there. Yeah. Those two could tear it down. Yeah, no, that's a good pairing right there. And you know, what, I agree with you at all. No, I have no idea what you do with her. It just kind of seems like she got kind of hand-strung with Becky and Ronda Rousey for so long. And she's too much bigger than anybody else. Yeah, I, I don't know what you do with her. It wouldn't kill her to take her out of the spotlight for five minutes. She's had it for the last, what, three, four years solid, so... It wouldn't care yeah. to be out of it for just a little bit. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I still do think she is, you know, I mean, arguably the the best female wrestler on the roster. Oh, I'm on it. I'm a huge, huge Charlotte fan. No question about it. The lineage there, the... the, the but yeah, the bro, bro, a break wouldn't be terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and talk about women... You know, coming off of a break. I mean, I've they've been foreshadowing Liv Morgan coming back. Yeah, and, and that'll be interesting because remember when they 
they acted like they were doing makeover for Emma forever. Then they mm-hmm. just released her. Yeah. I don't understand. I hope this Liv Morgan thing ends up better than that did. Well, I agree because I do, I do like her, and I think she would be a good pairing for Alexa Bliss. They're both around the same size. It'd be a good, a good match. Yeah. Yeah, or even like a Kari Sane uh, if they keep uh, Liv on Raw because you know Alexa Bliss is on on SmackDown, but you know you got right. Sarah Logan who's back and really hasn't done it very much at all. I mean, you got Natalia who's always old reliable to come in and give you a good match wherever. Yeah. But but well, well, we'll see what happens. But I tell you what, um, I think the women I over in NXT see Natalia retire at this point. Yeah, I literally have no interest in her. Yeah, well, she might kind of be at that point as well, too. I think the thing is, is, you know what, Trinity Fatu, I mean, um, she's been out for so long. I mean, you know, when, when is she coming back? Is Nia Jax going to come back at WrestleMania? So, but I, I tell you what, I, like I, we said earlier, the women over in NXT, I mean, you got like Candice LeRae and some of those women, they have a good look. And, I mean, they could definitely be a, a good addition to Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. Oh, no question. I mean, I think it's time that, you know, and it sounds so stupid because they just did a draft. I mean, but, you know, it, it almost seems like it's time to reshuffle everything again. Yeah. Right. Just because NXT has gotten, again, like we've said 20 times, what is the ultimate end game with NXT? Right. Is it an equal show? If so, if so shouldn't you have a draft that has... NXT also. Well, and the other thing is when they do the stuff on NXT, they were talking to Thomas uh, Ciampa recently, and he said, hey, he would never go up to Raw or SmackDown due to the travel because he's like, in NXT, I, I just have to worry about Wednesday night, and you know, it gives guys flexibility to do other things. But when they travel, they go to these smaller venues. Well, all of a sudden, when you've got your Finn Balors down there, and let's say you had a Charlotte Flair down there for a little bit, you got one of your big stars going to a venue that maybe holds – a thousand people. I mean, are you really making the money that you want to make? Because they they charge less for NXT stuff. So, I think that's the problem. Do they even charge to those TV tapings? I think so. I mean, I know for I'm NXT, not, they know. yeah. That's a great question. I had no idea because I know when a few of my a few of the guys were been developmental. I know when they were FCW, they didn't charge. Not granted, I know that was before the developmental style, but but the FCW TV tapings were free. Yeah, I think they charge, but uh, anyway, we will see what happens there. All right, so transitioning to the last two matches of Survivor Series, I want to touch on that mid-card matchup. You had AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Roderick Strong. Scott and I picked AJ Styles, but we weren't going to be surprised if Roderick Strong won the thing, and Roderick Strong comes out on top. Christian, what do you think about that pick? I picked AJ kind of for the same reason. I thought Roderick Strong could take a loss, just because of war games the night before, as long as he had a good showing. So I picked AJ to win. I was pleasantly surprised that Roger got the win. I thought it was a really good match. Yeah. Scott, what's your take? Well, as you alluded to, we both kind of called AJ for the win, but if you recall, I did say if there's an upset, it, it would be Rod Strong with the win. We kind of called this upset when we were talking about it on, on the previous cast, but I'm with Christian. Very good triple threat match. Glad to see that the XROH guys are being pushed again. I, I made that statement earlier. They're getting over. I think it was good booking on this one. 
I think it doesn't kill AJ and Shinsuke Nakamura to take a loss, and I think it builds up NXT once again. And Roderick Strong was one of my favorites over in ROH when he was over there, so I, I like the guy. Well, and that was a match for me that when the women with Rhea Ripley won that tag match, and then you had Roderick Strong win this, that was a sign to me. It's like, okay, you know what? They're going to push NXT in this in this pay-per-view. They're going to push them to win because right. when – when Scott and I were going through our picks, we were like, okay, you know, with all the buildup they were doing with the NXT invasions and stuff, we're like, we don't think they're going to shut them out, but they're going to have to get a couple of wins here. And we didn't think it was going to be a complete sweep because of Fox coming in with SmackDown. And we didn't think Raw would be shut out. To me, that was a card, the, the, the match when Roderick Strong won. It was like, hey, you know what? They're pushing NXT in this. So I thought it was a good match. And, you know, I think Roderick Strong was really good. I thought he was excellent in the, the War Games match the night before. I really like his character, too. And it's the little things, again, as you all know, by now I'm an undisputed era mark. But it's the little things that I love that, that all the undisputed era members were selling. You could tell they were visibly selling from War Games the night before. It's, just, it's the little things like that that I enjoy still. Yeah. You know, still so on you know, I think, I can't remember if it was, well, one of them came out with their ribs taped. One of them came out, like, say, Kyle Riley came out favoring his leg. You know, they were selling for more games the night before, the little stuff, instead of just like, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in transitioning into, uh, I forgot there, were, there was another match before I get to the final one I want to talk about, but this is when they had the A NXT championship match you have adam cole defending against pete dunn that was a fantastic match adam cole came out with a win but that was a fantastic match scott what was your take on that match i'm taking that the match of the night i love that match unexpected outcome need they need to continue booking these two and storylines together nxt again has proven how good their talent is top of the night i mean i thought that match was awesome yeah christian what's your take I agree. It was if it wasn't my favorite match, it was my it was my second favorite. I mean it was And you mentioned, you know, you're a big Adam Cole fan. What what is the draw that he brings to you? Reminds me a whole lot of Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Both in size, stature, wrestling ability. To me, I think he can go out there and he can deliver a four to five star match with anybody on the roster. I agree. I, I think yeah, he's really I good. Agree. Adam Cole's the guy, the man. I mean, again, he was great in ROH. He just honed his skills and, and polished even more now. I think he, if they're going to use NXT as a, as a developmental state, they need to bring him on up to the main card. It, it won't be long it's now, just, I don't think. It's just funny. The crowd just wants to cheer him so bad. You know, oh, yeah, they love it. Boom, boom. They love it. Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> well, and the thing about with Adam Cole, you know, um, I was listening to a podcast. Michael Hayes was on there from the Freebirds. Right. He was um, talking about back in, when he was with Bill Watts at uh, Mid-South and everything, and someone came in and did a, an evaluation. He said, you know what? You're, the thing that's weird about your promotion is all your, your good-looking guys are heels. Because you had the free birds and this and that, and all your faces were not because they had the junkyard dog and all that. And Adam Cole's a guy where I mean he's just you know good looking guy, but he's a heel and 
everything. But yet the fans still cheer him because he's the kind of guy they want to like. And and Jericho's the same way. Exactly. I think who, who doesn't get enough credit on kind of Adam Cole's big resurgence lately is – and it just shows, I think – to me, Daniel Bryan is probably the most selfless wrestler in the company. You know, the way that, you know, he put Adam Cole over cleanly on Fox mm-hmm. uh, that night of uh, the NXT invasion. You know, I think that was huge. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, Daniel Bryan's one of these guys that we mentioned with some others like the New Day. You know, they can take a loss and it doesn't hurt, but they know it's important you got to put over some of these lesser known guys because if you don't, then your rivalries aren't, people aren't excited yeah, to like, see it. But in contrast, like on Monday night on Raw, the following Monday, Seth Rollins had to have like a DQ finish, you know, which to me shows you the difference between Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess too, maybe that was part of the, um, the idea of whether wasn't that at the time when they were saying whether Seth Rollins was going to go to NXT, it was something. Yeah, that, that was kind of convoluted. I wasn't exactly sure who Triple H was for in that match. I guess the argument was he wanted Seth to win, so Seth would be on NXT. But then the other argument was was he wanted his champion to win, <laughs> right? So I don't think they explained that too well. But I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I do like Adam Cole. You know, I think he's going to have another good year in 2020. It comes back to the, the question we've asked 20 times in this podcast. Ultimately, what's the plan for NXT? Because, you know, is this this is the kind of guy that can come up and have that really good rivalry with someone on the main roster. But yet, NXT is really good. And if you want to keep them hot, you need a guy like Adam Cole down there. And really, he fits in better with the, the size of the wrestlers that are down in NXT better. I so. guess I kind of predict, and I have no basis for this, but I think I'll kind of keep NXT as is for the next year. And maybe after Survivor Series of 2020, make a decision on if they're going to make them three equal brands and kind of reshape them or not. Hey, Scott, on that, the point we've uh, talked about before, like, you know, we'll get to WrestleMania and usually before the big pay-per-views, they'll have like the NXT takeover and they're they're going to have that again for WrestleMania this year. But do you foresee them trying to incorporate NXT matches into WrestleMania? Kind of like what they did with the Survivor Series? I think at this point they have to because NXT's been a part of such, so many of the main pay-per-views. I think that they played a huge part in Survivor Series. Of course, they had their own big, successful pay-per-view in War Games. They were involved in TLC. You know they're going to be involved in the Rumble. So I think it only makes sense for them to play a, a pretty big part in Mania at this point. I think they almost have to. The, the universe will demand it. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think they have to have at least two or three matches at Mania. I'd like to see it, too. I, I think I agree with you guys. I'd love to see the Undisputed Era in the Rumble and have a good showing. Well, I think they were in the Rumble last year. I think I remember them being in there and Roderick Strong. And uh, I know they had some NXT guys in there. So I, I know they'll have a presence in that Battle Royal. Yeah. Of course, you know, in the, in the Women's Battle Royal, Royal Rumble, they're going to have to. Now, that'll be interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Last year, the NXT women were kind of unknowns. Right. This year, you know, it's a different ball game. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, you got a, a Rhea Ripley in the Battle Royal with Charlotte Flair, and maybe a Nia Jax comes back at that point. But, I mean, you got some pretty strong women in there. Yeah. So, well, that could actually be where they kick the storyline off. They yeah. get into it in, the, in a Royal Rumble, and it carries on from there. Yeah. That's what I was like. Because it looks like they're kind of going toward a Becky Lynch uh, Oscar match at the Royal Rumble as a singles which, match. Which, which I hate to say it, I'm not excited for at all. Yeah, why is that? Becky. Yeah. Uh, Becky. I think Becky needs an injury angle where yeah she needs two months off. Yeah, she needs to cool off and then make a, a tremendous comeback, and then everybody will. Bring her back, bring back for Mania. Yep. I, I mean, that. to me, she's just boring. Yep. Plus, Asuka's hot with the Kabuki Warriors right now. It would be hard to take her to the singles direction, I think. The Kabuki Warriors are on fire. I'd hate for them to break See, I, I, agree, I agree with that, too. I think they're having killer matches. Yep. Why do you want to do that, have her go single? I think it's right. the thing. I mean, who, who's Becky going to go against? Because, I mean... She's gone against Charlotte Flair so much this year. I mean, no no one really wants to see her go against Natalia. I mean, that's not really that exciting of a match. I mean, putting her against Sarah Logan. I mean, Sarah Logan's been out of it so much. There's not really anybody for her to go against. Who's top two? Yeah. Yeah, unless they did that. But then you got Rhea Ripley down there. She doesn't again, really have that's, Again, that goes to the same problem we've talked about the entire podcast so what now that Shayna Baszler's lost she goes up to Raw mm-hmm. right that just makes the that look? look weak yeah right. how does that look I just think that Shayna Baszler Roy, uh, Rhea Ripley rivalry they should go with that for a while that's a that's just a top tier rivalry I mean I'm tuning in to watch that oh, I think I think they could, I think it could be a mania match yeah oh yeah for sure I agree so we'll transition into a guy that is always a part of WrestleMania. We had Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio in Survivor Series with Brock Lesnar going over as Scott and I picked. But it, I thought it was a, a pretty decent match. So, Scott, we picked Brock Lesnar. What was your take on that match? And then, Christian, give your thoughts as well. So, as I always say, this is unpopular, but I'm a Lesnar fan. I like him. I thought this match was better than what what I expected they did decent with it, and the one thing that I liked about this match is they actually did a decent build-up for the feud. It, you know, it went on for quite a while. They brought in Kane Velasquez. They did that whole angle. You know, Brock beat up Ray's son. I think they're using that as a segue to bring Ray's son into the business. I think it's a good move. Like I said, decent build-up. The writers on that one seem to be getting back to some build-up, you know, like they used to do when we were kids growing up, which made wrestling better. And in all honesty, it made it better than what it is today. Great interference with Dominic. You know, like I said, I, I hope this is his gateway. I think that's what they're what they're trying to do for his entrance into the business. I think they could run an angle on that where Ray kind of manages him or whatever. You know, my total opinion is Lesnar just simply needs better, more believable opponents. I mean, Ray Ray Mysterio is 180 pounds at best. You know, Brock outweighs him at least by 100 pounds, if not more. You just, we, we got to get somebody in there, and that's the whole reason they brought Goldberg back, what, two, three years ago? 
is to have somebody that was believable that could put Brock down. And we had a pretty good comeback from Goldberg, and they had a their nice little feud or whatever. We just we just need more competition, and that's where Strowman comes in. But they're really screwing Strowman up because right now, to me, Strowman's the only one in the the whole WWE that could believably give Brock a run for his money, and they're just not taking that angle the way they should. Or I'd like to see Drew McIntyre get a shot against him. I think that'd be a good match. They could make that believable. I, I like Drew, but they need to make him more dominant. Uh, yeah. than they have been as well. Just like they've done in the past, they kind of undersell Drew. And Drew's a beast. I mean, he is a, a monster of a man and a heck of an athlete. They just need to make him more dominant. He needs to come in and have a few squash matches with some, some higher-ranking wrestlers and then work that angle. I agree with you, Ben. They, they could make that one work. Yeah, Christian, what, what was your take on this match? Home run in every aspect. The build-up was great. The fact that Ray was using a pole, a lead pipe, used the belt to attack. It was attacking him from behind. Made it believable. The fact that they made it no holds barred or no DQ. I mean, you knew Brock was going to win, but... They used Dominic perfect. They used the weapon perfect. I think really with Brock, you almost have to kind of have some of these sneak attack, no DQ, no holds barred matches to, to make it even seem like he could lose. But on the Drew thing, I agree with you all. I think, I mean, it's, I think they showed up two years ago. I mean, I think build Drew McIntyre up for like three or four months solid. Just make him a solid badass. I think him and Brock could have a a, a nice mini feud. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think the Mysterio-Lesnar match, I was pleasantly surprised with all of it. And I was even telling Ben the other day, this might be the most that I've enjoyed Rey Mysterio since, since back when him and Eddie Guerrero feuded. Um, there you go. This has been, to me, he's had a, a, a huge reemergence. You know, I've really enjoyed it. I love that they put the U.S. title on him, you know, because, man, he's coming out and he's, he's delivering. Yeah. His, his, his promos he's, are, are more intense. And his matches, I don't care how small he is, man. He, he, makes, he, makes, he makes it look believable. Yeah, that's true, and I, I love the fact that I mean, Ray is not a spring chicken anymore. I mean, let's be honest. He was, no, he was a cruiserweight headliner in WCW. I mean, back in the early to mid '90s. So, hey, he's got some age on him, and you're correct; he is delivering. I, I no, I don't want my comments earlier to take anything away from Ray because I am a Ray fan and always have been. I think he's doing great. I love it. Yeah. I love that he's back in the game. I think he's doing well. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely agreed. Yeah, I think Ray I mean I think Ray's had a good year. And I will give Brock Lesnar some credit. He does really well in these matches with the smaller guys, surprisingly, to some people, but Brock Lesnar is a tremendous athlete because I thought his match with AJ Styles was good, his match with Daniel Bryan was good. The Rollins matches were, were pretty good. But um even with Finn Balor, I thought Brock Lesnar is a good enough athlete that he makes it look good. It's definitely better than his matches with Braun Strowman. 
So, well, all those matches are great against the smaller guys that can work. Yeah. I've yeah. heard a few times that, that he's very odd that if he, he has good matches against people that he likes. And apparently, right. he's, you know, apparently, he didn't like Dean Ambrose. And apparently, right. uh, that's why that WrestleMania match was so bad. <laughs> apparently, you know, he really enjoys, you know, Daniel Bryan and Finn and Ray. Mm-hmm. Rock is today's version of Andre. If he don't like you, he's not going to make it go well. But, like, I thought that match Survivor Series last year against Daniel Bryan, which was really, it could have turned into a disaster because the week before Daniel Bryan had turned heel, if you remember, when he low-blowed AJ to win the belt. But I thought that match was tremendous. And Daniel, you know, he thought he was going to get killed at first, and then he got, you know, pretty ruthless. Right. Yeah, they carried that match quite well. Yeah. So what do you guys see for this next on the horizon for Brock Lesnar? Because, you know, he's obviously not a regular appearance on Raw. We'll get into a little bit later, but, you know, they brought in Cain Velasquez, and I don't think that that got – went well but I mean where are they kind of going with Brock Lesnar uh, as we head into Wrestlemania because you know it would be a part of that and he'll probably have something for Royal Rumble I guess Christian what, what's your thought I don't know what they're gonna do but what I've been screaming for him to do for the last four years or three years is put an angle with him and Bobby Lashley Lashley is legit they are both heavyweight MMA fighters they're both ex-amateur stud wrestlers and you know the the real deal, collegiate, and I think Bobby Lashley wrestled in uh, the military. And of course, you know Brock Lesnar's record was one hundred six and five in NCAA. I mean, they're both legit. So let's let them get in there and have an angle. Let, let's put them in there and and build build an angle up and let them just go at it for several pay per views. I think they could carry it. You know, I think they would need to do a lot of. Uh, character work with Lashley but I think they could I think that that could be a legitimate Wrestlemania main event yeah I agree well speaking of our Um, friend Bobby Lashley uh, I think he needs something better than this battle with Rusev over Lana because to me I'm not a huge fan of it I mean I I think to agree it's kind of funny but I feel like that that their matches could be a little bit more I thought their TLC match wasn't bad but I don't know. I, I just feel like this is kind of missing something. I was saving it till we reviewed TLC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. The whole thing, the whole premise is ridiculous. It seemed like everybody out there knew it was ridiculous. They did the best they could with it. I think I mentioned this to you. Actually, I, you know, me and Bruce Pritchard still keep in touch on email. I almost got to uh, go to Raw for the divorce and be the attorney for the divorce signing. And then uh, (laughs) things fell fell through. They said there weren't going to be any speaking parts. I had court the next day and they weren't going to pay very well. So I was kind of like, eh. It just didn't seem worth it. It was kind of last second. Right. Like, whenever they have stuff around here, I'll always try to see if there's like any shot. Cause that's the one thing I haven't done is be on a, a WWF televised show. 
So I still, whenever they have something around here, I always try to put a call in and see if I can. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think Rusev, I mean, I think he's a talented wrestler. I just think this is, I don't know, it's just kind of odd. But I don't think it's done yet. I mean. The problem is, is with Rusev Day, you know, I mean, he was getting, he was, I mean, what was that? I guess it was two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, he was, he was probably the most over guy on SmackDown. And they just, oh, yeah. Completely dropped it. He was getting complete pop every time with that, just for forever. Oh even, even even like Aiden English was like probably like in the top five most over guys just doing his introduction. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've seen interviews where Rusev. I mean, he he did not want that to go away, but I mean, WWE just made the decision to do that. But I don't know. I'm just not feeling this one. But I mean, I, as far as their TLC match, I didn't think it was bad. What do you think, Scott? But it was a decent match. I just despise the storyline is what we've, we've been talking about. And what is the end game with the storyline? Where are they going with it? What are they doing? You know, what happens here? Does Lana double cross Lashley later down the road and go back to Rusev for a happily ever after? I mean, what, you know, it's, it's kind of weird where they're going with it. What are they going to do with it? Because they can't leave Lana with, with Lashley forever. Cause as we touched on earlier, K-Fade is dead. We, we know the behind the scenes. We know what, what's really going on. So, I mean, it's just a terrible storyline. And as I made a statement before, never bring your wife into the workplace in that situation. Macho man, Randy Savage found out the hard way, you know, Mark Merrill found out the hard way. I mean, it just, you know, really really found out the hard way. Right. There you go. I mean, Chris Benoit and, and, you know, Kevin Sullivan found out the hard way from Chris Benoit. So, right. you know, Kurt Angle found out the hard way from Jeff Jarrett. So don't, don't bring them in like that because it's just a – it's terrible because really what's going to end up happening is, you know, she may not end up with Lashley, but she's going to end up with somebody. And, you know, there you go. So Yeah. Well, guys, I have a family obligation. I really enjoyed it. Anytime uh, you all need a third man, I would love to be on the show, talk wrestling with you guys. Well, Christian, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Um, you know, we appreciate it. We'll bring you back on uh, one of our next episodes. Whenever you all need somebody, I'll count me in. All right. Well, great. Well, th- right. thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. All right. Great show. Thanks. So, Scott, we will go. I want to go back and touch on uh, some of the matches from TLC that we hadn't talked about because I felt like on some of the matches with Survivor Series, like, okay, we can transition into the New Day match with the Revival and stuff like that. It just kind of made sense to talk about that all at one time. One match that we really haven't touched on that I thought was fantastic at TLC was Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. What was your take on that match? So that's the match of the night for me. I thought that match was amazing. They really did an excellent job, you know, great story in the ring they need to book this as a best of series in my opinion you know kind of similar to if you recall the old days when they did it with booker t and chris benoit and uh, nitro when they did like a best of seven i think they need to do something like that with these guys because the one match just wasn't enough and you know they need to let buddy murphy go over on him a couple times and then back and forth and, and just really build it up i think it's that was the match of the night in my opinion i, I thought they did a great, a great job with it yeah, I thought it was a great match. I mean, 
in my voting, I, I picked that New Day, the Revival match is my match of the night, but Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy was definitely number two. And and I really like Buddy Murphy. I think, you know, he's – and really Black was on the sidelines a lot too. But I just really like Buddy Murphy's style. I mean, you know, he's this big muscular guy. I mean, there was no way he was 205 for purposes of 205 Live. I mean, he's mobile. He's good. He's got a good look to him. I mean, I don't relate as much to Aleister Black because, I mean, he's this dark character and most of his moves are kicking and stuff. But but he's good, too. And I just feel like there's so much talent on WWE that kind of needs to be new and fresh. Going to our comments earlier about, you know what, we've seen so much of Becky Lynch. We've seen so much of Seth Rollins. It's like, let's see some of these new guys kind of get some more push and action and go yeah. from there. And I think these two guys are guys that definitely need to be featured more together. Right. They could be that breath of fresh air that we're looking for. So, I, and these two guys have it. Yeah. They put on a heck of a match with each other. So, I think they need to make it a best up series. Yeah. All right. So, the next match, we'll just hit on it briefly because we've talked a lot about Viking Raiders and they had an open challenge match with the, the OC. And what was your take on that match? Uh, it turned out to be uh, the Viking Raiders held on to the title because it was a double count out. So, I thought that was kind of lame. It was a little lame, but at the same time, it gave you know that, that match gave back and forth momentum. It didn't really take away from the OC because you still want them to be a, a tough tag team, and it didn't really take away from the Viking Raiders because obviously they're the champ. So the crowd didn't like the finish, and I know you didn't like the finish too much, but I kind of liked it because it still gives both teams legitimacy, and it doesn't take away from one or the other. Neither one lost in a clean finish, so. You know, now and then you need to do a finish like this to build up and give credibility to both teams. I think that was kind of where they were at there. And I thought it was good that they did the open challenge thing and the OC was the one to take it. So I thought it was a good match. Yeah, and they followed up that match um, with a match on Monday Night Raw. So, But it's like we were mentioning earlier with Christian, I don't know who else the Viking Raiders really go after right now in matches because, I mean, your other tag teams in Raw, it's, like, I think the B team with Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. Then you got Hawkins and Zack Ryder, which I think Hawkins and Zack Ryder could be a decent tag team, but they're just pretty much jobbers. But, I mean, I think Zack Ryder has a good look and everything. I don't think they're championship material by any means. But, I mean, there's nobody else for the Viking Raiders to go against. And I, I do think they're good. I think – I don't think, for me, they're not as – one of my favorite teams over the Revival and New Day and Heavy Machinery. But for on Raw, they're good. It's either them or Gallows and Anderson. It's like kind of pick your poison. But the thing that's kind of weird about this rivalry is you got the Viking Raiders who are the champion, but yet Gallows and Anderson won that best tag team in the world thing. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, and there again, I think that was how they give legitimacy to both teams. Yeah. So – are you going to have a feud between the teams or what? They need to, you know, as the old saying goes, you need to poop or get off the fight. They need to go ahead and put them in a feud and just let them go at it and play it out for, you know, a while. I mean, they can let it go for six months or whatever if they want, but we need to go ahead and get into it because they're kind of tiptoeing around it, it seems like, by giving the OC the, the trophy and then, you know, give them a double count out and but letting the Viking Raiders have the belts and, okay, so – Let's let them go head to head. Let's let's just let them battle it out, and then you know move on from there. Yeah, I think they're going to leave them in a in a feud because I mean they followed that 
TLC matchup with the match Monday night. I mean, I feel like they almost have no choice but to have that feud because otherwise, what are you doing with these guys? Right. All right, so the next match was uh, Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns in a TLC match, and uh, Baron Corbin actually comes out the winner. And I think these matches have actually been pretty good. When I went to that match over in Daytona Beach, this was the finale. I'm not a huge Corbin fan, but I do think, obviously, he has to be a heel. I think he's a pretty good heel. I think the King thing is kind of dorky in a way, but I think he <laughs> he does a pretty good job with it and using the scepter. And right. I felt like, I mean, I was surprised that he beat Roman Reigns, but the way they beat Roman Reigns was, I mean, literally you had Dolph Ziggler get involved, and then you also had the Revival get involved. So, yeah, Roman Reigns <laughs> lost, but he lost with all these other guys involved, so he kind of still looks strong in a loss. And I guess a win kind of gives Corbin some credibility. I like Corbin as a heel. I think he does good with it. And I think part of the charm of him being a heel is the dorkiness of the King mm-hmm. uh, moniker. I, I think that's kind of meant to be. I, I just This match succeeded in making you hate him even more, which is his job. Mm-hmm. But just, they a bit overdid it. They, they went over the top with the 45 people interfering. And Roman Reigns, I know he's supposed to be the big hero and and this, that, and the other. But, you know, again, let's be a little bit realistic. You had all the security guards. You had the Revival. You had Dolph Ziggler. You had Aaron Corbin. And they still couldn't hardly beat Roman Reigns. I mean, give me a break. You got to be a little more realistic than that. I like that it took interference to beat him. But it was just a little over the top with that many people. And then they finally finally put him away yeah well that's why i felt like with the way it ended like that that's why i, I thought it was just average so yep, but we'll, we'll see but it's one of those things though it's like with the way they do the brand split well who else do you have to go against roman reigns from a size standpoint because braun Strowman's a face so he's not going to go right. against roman reigns I mean, Corbin is a believable opponent against Roman Reigns based on size, and, and Corbin has good moves. I mean, he, he can deliver uh-huh. in the ring, but you don't really have anybody else to go against Roman Reigns. I mean, he's yeah. not going against The Fiend right now because they've got to have the match pairing for Daniel Bryan. And, I mean, I thought the matches with him and D- Drew McIntyre were really good, but McIntyre's over on Raw. You know, you got Randy Orton in Raw. So I think we're going to be stuck with that for a while you know, Samoa Joe comes back, which I guess he'd be on Raw, but I mean, Samoa Joe is always good for a, a good match. Oh, I'm glad you brought him up because I, I wanted to make a special note. I really enjoyed Samoa Joe on commentary. I think he does a good TLC. job. He did awesome. I loved having him on there. I thought that was a great move. I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, well, and I think the the other guy that was on there, uh, what was his name, D'Lo? Or I forgot the guy, but he was the guy that Brock Lesnar just put through a table, but the online sources were saying he actually wanted to go back to wrestling in the ring. And so him being out was kind of also selling the, the Brock Lesnar thing. So I think Samoa Joe does good. And I think the other thing that's nice about that is it keeps Samoa Joe relevant in the minds of the fans because he's, he's got that legit uh, injury. You know, another match I wanted to talk about, it was the pre the kickoff match, but it had Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo. What was your take on the, the match and these guys? Because we really haven't talked about either one of these wrestlers on our podcast yet. So, I felt like this was a solid match. 
It could have probably been on the main card instead of the pre-show, kind of like the uh, pre-show match we talked about on the previous pay-per-view that we just discussed. Will Andrade and Vega split up? You know, here's the other thing about that is we know that Andrade and Charlotte Flair are dating in mm-hmm. real life. You know, this is kind of where kayfabe dies because, you know, we kind of already know that he's not with Vega in real life. So what's the real storyline there? I mean, it, it's not going to be a big shocker when they split. So it, it's kind of surprising that they've even stayed with it this long, to be honest with you. As far as the match goes, I thought it went well. I thought it went mm-hmm. really well. I thought it was a good match. These guys could have been on the main card. I agree. And I thought it was a good match. All the reviews I saw afterwards were giving it A ratings or a B plus. And I think it's a good pairing because you've got two guys who are both Mexican wrestlers. So, you know, there could be the rivalry there. But it's also guys who can do a lot in the ring. And I do like Humberto Creo. I think he's definitely a baby face with his look. I think it's a good match to keep both of those guys relevant and in good quality matches because I don't want to see these guys off the air because they're too good. Right. I agree. And so the other matches we went through, kind of a, a little bit of a discussion. I mean, we already talked about the Bray Wyatt versus the Miz thing. And just, you know, I, I wasn't crazy about the match, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes with Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. And we already talked about Rusev and Lashley. Rusev ended up losing that match to Lashley. And we talked about the Kabuki Warriors. They actually defeated Becky Lynch and Charlotte. But I think that was the right call in that championship match because, I mean, they've done so much to rebuild Asuka this year, and rightly so, because she's very good. Oh, yeah. I think a loss there would have been a, a bad, bad move for them. I agree. I think that was the right call. A great booking. Uh, Kabuki Warriors are on fire. They leave them alone. I mean, it was a great match. And Charlotte and Becky... I was glad to see that they let them work good together instead of this whole trying to compete with each other and all that. They actually worked as a team, which was surprising, and they didn't try to go that route with it. So, you know, it was a good match. I, I thought they they did very well with it. And, hey, they didn't pull any punches, man. They used those ladders, and, and they did a lot. And the ta- that one table spill that Charlotte took, man, it, I think that really hurt her mm-hmm. in, in real life. I mean, she took a hard hit, so... I thought it was a good, yeah, you know, good event. What's your, um, I guess, sort of the state of the union right now of what with the brands? Because we've come off of TLC with WWE, where it was an okay pay per view. I don't think it was as good as Survivor Series, but I don't think anyone really expected that. But kind of, what's your state of the union with WWE, and then we'll talk about NXT and AEW. Well, it kind of goes back to what we've said on on previous tests, you know. WWE has so much talent, they don't know what to do with it right now. And they really need to get better with the writers and, and managing the time. You know, Christian actually alluded to the three-hour Raw time, and I agree with him. I've always said the three-hour shows are too long. It kills me to try to sit through a whole three-hour show. That's why I always typically watch them on the network so I can kind of fast forward or on DVR or whatever, how you want to look at it. But the bad thing is, is you've got a three-hour show on Raw and What's SmackDown now? Is it two hours or three? It's two. And it's two hours, and then you've got the other minor shows, you know, and you've got two hours of NXT. Even with all those hours of television, they still can't get people enough exposure, you know. And a lot of these people that we're talking about, you know, people that just watch the weekly episodes aren't even going to know who we're talking about, honestly. 
so I, that's WWE's fall right now. They, they need to figure out what they're going to do with everybody and, and make it work. Well, I, I think as far as the good things with WWE right now, I do like the fact of um, I, I think Brock Lesnar had a good year. I thought his matches were solid. I think what they're kind of doing with Brock, really, if you think about it, back in the day in the in the late '80s when you had the wrestling for WWE with Bobby the Brain Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, the I mean, you never saw Hulk Hogan on any of those matches. You'd only see Hulk Hogan if you had like a Saturday Night's Main Event or the pay per view, or he was doing an interview. And it's sort of like they're going that way with with Brock Lesnar as well. So I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I am kind of getting tired of Seth Rollins. I think he could maybe use a break, but now they've got him in this thing with Kevin Owens and uh, the AOP. I, I think that can be a good feud. I do like Kevin Owens. I think he's he's great. So I think it'll be okay. But, I mean, I think the heel turn for Seth Rollins was a good move for him. I, I think having AOP just kind of there as the mercenaries, I, I, I'd i like to see them back in the ring at, at some point soon because I just feel like that Raw tag team division is so weak right now. Right. Not that I think they're really that good in the ring. I don't think they're as good as the Viking Raiders. I just think they need to get some more talent in there. And based on who you have over there with the Viking Raiders and you got Gallows and Anderson, those are perfect the perfect teams to go up against the AOP. But under this feud, there's no reason for the, those guys to get involved unless, unless Kevin Owens says, hey, I need some allies, and so I'm not out three to one. I'm going to side with the Viking Raiders. I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, that, they need to bring the ALP back in just to fill some spots because right now they don't have anybody to fill them. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily like the throw-together tag teams. I, I like the legit tag teams, you know, so they need to bring them in. Yeah. You know, a guy like Eric Rowan, I don't know really what this whole gimmick is with him having this something, whatever animal in the cage, a ferret or something like that, because I thought he really took some steps forward this year when he was with Daniel Bryan, then he was against Roman Reigns and he actually had some wins over Roman Reigns this year. And now he's, I mean, I think he's taken two steps back. Yep. Just like normal. They've got him floundering again. Yeah. And you know, Hey, put him and Braun Strowman together. Mm-hmm. Let them be a dominant tag team. Let them, they can come in and take the belt tomorrow. Or let them have a feud. Yep, or that—that would work great. Yeah, fight each other, or they could come in and dominate. Yeah, because especially with Luke Harper being released from WWE now, I mean, you know, we're expecting him to go to AEW. I hope he does. I like him. I do too, but it's like, you know, what's gonna what's gonna happen with Rowan? Because I mean, he's just been fighting jobbers lately, and that's that's just kind of a waste of time. But I'm kind of hoping that the the connection between Daniel Bryan and Rowan would lead to a family reunion with Bryan included. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. Well, we'll see because they've got to do something with Rowan because I guess guys like, I guess Titus O'Neil's kind of, you know, he's been a a, a jobber lately, but I guess he's sort of like their community ambassador for all the charity work he does and Apollo Crews. I mean, I guess, you know, they've tried to give him pushes and stuff and he just, he just doesn't take with the crowd, even though he's really talented in the ring. He just doesn't have charisma. So I don't really see much from him. Mojo Raleigh, I mean, he came in with that with Kevin Owens, but that was pretty silly. So I, I don't know that he's really going anywhere. You know, as far as the women's division, I think the Kabuki Warriors, like we said, they've been great. But who in the tag team are they going to go against? Because I haven't seen much from the Iconics. haven't seen much from them lately. 
and they're really the only other tag team over there. Right. So it's they need to really get them back in the fold or else bring somebody up from NXT. As far as other positives, I mean, we'll get to our awards here, but I mean, overall, the women's division had a really good year with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. I think is probably a historic year for the women as far as their talent. But it's like we said earlier, you know, they've pushed Charlotte and Becky pretty hard right now. And, you know, what do you do with Charlotte? Uh, and I think the suggestion that you and Christian had about her being on a hiatus for a little while, I think that's an excellent suggestion. We will see what happens. And then on SmackDown, I think the best thing on SmackDown is the tag teams with the, the Revival and uh, the New Day and then Otis. I, I know Christian's not a fan of Otis, and he's not the best wrestler, but he's he's hilarious. He gets that huge pop. I hope that thing with him and Mandy Rose goes over well. I mean, it got good reviews last night because Mandy Rose needs a, a boost too. And if they're not going to put her – you know, they were talking about, well, maybe they're going to put her as – She's not really going to be in the ring. She's going to be kind of on the side, this whole thing. I don't know, but I would love to see her and Alexa Bliss. I just think that is something that should happen. I agree. Plus, I think heavy machinery would be a good push against the Viking Raiders because they're both huge. I agree. I, I, think, I think heavy machinery is the only one that is believable that could really go toe-to-toe with the Viking Raiders right now. And they're both big and athletic, and they can, they can go, but... I think that should be the feud. Either that or they're going to leave them with the Revival, but then you got the Revival kind of going down. And I mean, everybody sees all these rumors about, well, the AEW may be recruiting the Revival or when their contract ends or whatever. So it's like, well, you can't dog the Revival too much or they'll they'll want to leave for sure. So I don't know. It is complicated, but I just feel like this whole thing with heavy machinery – you got to kind of strike while the iron's hot with them. And I think they're going to have to have a belt. But then it's like, all right, they're not going to go against the New Day because they're both faces. So we will see what happens there. So, well, I tell you what, I want to transition now into the annual 2019 Wrestling Awards. We've been working on this for a couple of days. You know, I also have Christian's pick as well. So we will get started with. Our male wrestler of the year. Who is your pick or picks, if you want to tie, for the male wrestler of the year in 2019? I'm going with Chris Jericho, hands down. Reason being, we touched on it earlier in our discussion, I think, previous to uh, recording this. Jericho has done so much. You know, he was doing stuff, selling out the Tokyo Dome over in Japan going against Kenny Omega and doing those shows prior to AEW even starting up. Then he came over and started up a fledgling company with AEW. I mean, I know Cody's like the main guy behind the the workings of it, but Jericho is the guy carrying the ball. He is the guy that they put the belt on. You know, he's a heel, he's a good talker, and he has reinvented himself 15 times in his career. And he just, he's having a great year. I think he's doing great for himself. And he's also doing great for AEW. And you know, really, the State of the Union with AEW, because I said we were going to do State of the Unions for the the brands, and I just left it with WWE. But I just think Jericho is, he's the best heel in wrestling right now, and he's the main reason why I'm watching AEW. Because in fairness, I mean, I knew of Cody, knew a little of Kenny Omega. I think think Kenny Omega's great. If it was just Cody 
I don't know that I would be really watching that. I'm really watching it because of Jericho. And I think he's fabulous on the mic. His band Fozzie's great. I went and saw them this year. And you know the thing about with him too, he's also the kind of guy that he's been putting over some guys like Jungle Boy recently. And, you know, they had that 10 limit draw and stuff. But he knows that they've got to do that because if he just goes in there and dominates Jungle Boy and doesn't build him up, not very many people know who Jungle Boy is except for the hardcore wrestling fans. And so they've got to get exposure to for these guys. So I think he's, he's really good. I think he's had a good year. My vote, I had a tie. I had Jericho and Kofi Kingston because, but I have absolutely no problem with, if I had to pick one, I probably would pick Jericho because of also his work in uh, new Japan this year. It was fantastic. He won titles. So that shouldn't be overlooked, but I do feel Kofi deserves some, some mention here just because he wasn't thought of in the title picture at all until they had this gauntlet match, which the only reason he was in was because Ali got hurt. And he goes in and wins that thing and then gets on this run and you know, wins at WrestleMania, you know, historic thing. And, and you know, I know people were saying, well, it's a big deal because of the diversity and, and race because there, there haven't been that many African-American champions in, in wrestling from a national world champion standpoint. You had Ron Simmons, you had The Rock, but you you didn't have as many as you would think you would have had with all the talented uh, African-American wrestlers that you've had in wrestling. And I thought his title reign was good. I think everybody agrees the way he lost to Brock Lesnar stunk. But, you know, he came back and they got the title with the New Day and they've been really good ever since. So I think I at least had him as a tie. I mean, honestly, probably maybe first honorable mention there, but I thought he had a great year. Yeah, I agree. Kofi, Kofi's undersold, and they should put him back in the title picture. But I'll talk about that a little bit later in our future picks down, down the sheet here. Okay. So next category is the top woman wrestler of the year for 2019. And who is your pick? I'm going with Becky Lynch. I feel like that I'm burned out on her right now, but we are at the end of the year. I think overall, she's had a tremendous year. I mean, she's really turned her career around to a, like a mid-card, you know, mediocre to main event all the time. So, and she carried the belt for a while. So, I, overall for the year, I think she's done great, but she's starting to fizzle now. But again, we're at the very end of the year. So, I'm giving it to Becky. I agree. I also echo the same sentiments about, you know, being a little burnout on her. And that was Christian's vote as well. But... You know, even on uh, on uh, SmackDown, she, in her interview, mentioned, hey, I've been down a little bit. And so this thing with Asuka's kind of for herself to prove that, hey, she is the best. But uh, So she kind of acknowledged that. But overall, she's been great the whole year. I was glad to see her get a push because down for, you know, a couple of years, she was, she was down. I, I think the iconic visual that I will have from wrestling for this year is, is when they had the Raw uh, or the SmackDown invasion, and she got that bloody nose from Nia Jax in real life and broke her nose. But that's when she popped and became yeah. this awesome character. So I think, to me, it wasn't even close on that vote. Right, that was an iconic moment, and I think that folder yeah. right there. All right, next category: Who's your uh, tag team of the year? Tag team of the year. I told you I was going to touch on Kofi a little bit. So New Day. Is my tag team pick. I'm going to go with an honorable mention of the SCU. 
AEW out of AEW. Let me talk about New Day, though, and, and the reason I went with them. So they've been on top. You know, they've had good top. The reason that I feel like they deserve it is because they've had to do a lineup change, you know, in the middle of the year with injuries and things like that. And with Kofi happened to, you know, he was kind of in the heavyweight championship picture and then he came out of it. But then, you know, they've made it believable. They've sold it to where, you know, hey, they're at top contenders for the, for the belt. You know, they've had the belt or whatever. I think New Day's it. I think they continue to persevere no matter what lineup. Yeah. My first initial pick, but I've now changed. I, my first initial pick was the Viking Raiders, and here was the reason for my pick. They got the NXT title like on January 26th of this year, and they held it until like May 1st, and they they already debuted on Raw, but then they um, just relinquished the belt, so they were never defeated in NXT to lose their belt. So then they came over, and they got the title, I think, in September in Raw, and they've been strong ever since. And they won the um, Survivor Series match. So that's why initially I was like, okay, well, since they won the Survivor Series match over New Day, that's why I would vote for them over the New Day. But after having a, a spirited debate with Christian on it, I think he made a valid point. Now, he picked the Revival because of Revival, they were uh, both Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown champions this year. And they're always legit. I wouldn't pick the Revival to win. But my second pick would have been New Day. So if I had to change my mind, which I am now, I, I would vote for New Day as well. I think they're solid. And, yeah, that's awesome. And I really, you both, you know, Christian's pick and your pick sell very good. I mean, you both have legitimate debates on your teams that you were talking about as well. And the, the honorable mention, the reason I picked SCU was for the exact same reason I picked New Day because Kazarian and Daniels were the main tag team and Daniels got injured. And they brought in the other guy, Scorpio Sky. And, hey, Ian and uh, Kazarian have chemistry right off the bat. And they come in and took the belts, and they have done phenomenal since. And Daniels has, has played kind of a third guy. And, you know, there's no dissension there. There's not any kind of heat between them. He's just kind of in there with them. And, hey, it works great. So that's exactly why I picked them as honorable mention. For the exact same reason, really, as the New Day. Mm-hmm. I would like to touch on a female team. We didn't really uh, say that we were going to pick, but I want to go with Kabuki Warriors. I think that they're the female team of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, in fairness, I mean, the reason why I just had a, a tag team category is because I didn't really see any women tag teams other than the Kabuki Warriors who are a legit argument because, I mean, the Iconics were the champions. Uh, they won at WrestleMania, but, I mean, their matches weren't, Great. I, I do like their characters a lot, I, I, and I hope they have a, a good push in 2020 because I think they're they're good, but their act is not really being the, the skilled technical wrestlers. I mean, but they're, they're good. You had Alexa Bliss and uh, Nikki Cross for a while, and I thought that was a good pairing. I would agree if we're, if we're picking a women's champion, I would go with uh, the Kabuki Warriors as well because Asuka's fantastic, and I like Kari Sane's character as well. All right, our next category is Inspirational Wrestler of the Year. Who is your pick there? Roman Reigns, hands down. He defeated cancer. I can't. I've just never been a huge Roman Reigns fan, but hey, you can't you can't knock a guy for that. He, he that's an awesome story. Hands down, he's the Inspirational Wrestler of the Year. 
But I do have an honorable mention, and I want to call out Tommaso Ciampa for his severe neck injury. And like I told you earlier, I do follow him on Instagram and watched his uh, physical therapy and him training to get back in the ring, and he, it's a phenomenal story. Mm-hmm. So Roman Reigns, number one, Tommaso Ciampa, honorable mention. Yeah. I also went with Roman Reigns for the very reasons you mentioned with uh, coming back from leukemia, and that was Christian's vote as well. So we shall see. You know, it is kind of surprising, though, that Roman Reigns hasn't been given the championship belt since they went over to Fox, but I would imagine he would be given that championship at some point in 2019, I guess maybe after The Fiend, but we'll see. So, all right, next category. Who had the best makeover in 2019, in your opinion? I'm going with The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, because now he has the multiple personalities. He's no longer the leader of the Wyatt family. I thought The Fiend was a good move. It was a good good change of pace. Plus, you know, he has himself as Bray Wyatt, which is the loony guy on the kid's show or whatever. It's a little yeah. psycho deranged, deranged the, level. The fun house. Uh, yeah, the fun house. I think it's a good makeover. Honorable mention there is John Moxley in AEW because, hey, the guy put on 20 pounds of muscle. He got a haircut. He actually looks legit. You know, he's, he's doing great in AEW, in my opinion. Second honorable mention, I'm going to go with Bailey because I like her heel turn. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think those are all good picks, and I I do think Bailey's heel turn was good. I, and when I went to go that to see her in that match in Daytona, I mean, I thought she was – she's really better as a heel to me. I mean, I guess as her face character, you know, she would uh, appeal to the little kids and stuff, but it was getting tired, I think, and I think – you know, she needed to have something different. I think that's been good. My pick, originally I was going to go with John Moxley, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, really, he still kind of is a Dean Ambrose guy where he was toward the end of WWE. It's just his booking is so much better now. But I think he really, really good in AEW. But I'm going to go for a repeat winner here, and I'm going to vote for Chris Jericho because, you know, he was he had his the list of Jericho at the end of his – WWE run. Then he went, when he went to New Japan, he um, was like the the sad clown character, and now he's the La Champion with a a little bit of the bubbly. So I I, I think he he's always finding a way to stay relevant, and I just think he's the the best thing about AEW right now. So I voted for Jericho, but I don't I don't have any problems with the picks you had there. And Christian also picked Jericho, and his first runner up was Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. That's a Jericho's a legit pick. We just got him so many times on this list, I thought I would go with something different. <laughs> well, you know what happens when you're the first AEW champion at 48, now 49 years old, and you're also the youngest AEW champion? Do you, do you know what happens when you're also the lead singer of a killer rock band in Fozzie, and you are awesome on promos and just basically excel at everything? Well, Chris Jericho, you just made the list. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Next category is um, most improved wrestler of the year. Who's your pick? John Moxley, Rhea Ripley, Ty. Those are some good picks. Because, I mean, John Moxley, I mean, that end at the WWE, when, when he did that heel turn and the whole gas mask thing, I mean, it was just, it was awful. And, of course, he, wasn't a fan of that at all based on his his interviews. So 
You know, I, I think that's a, a real good pick, and I think he's been great in AEW. Yep. And Rhea Ripley, I mean, this is a woman I didn't know anything about until I started watching NXT with the invasions and stuff, but she's fantastic, and based on her winning with the War Games at Survivor Series and now having the belt over Shayna Baszler in NXT, I mean, she's destined to have a good year in 2020 with a big push. Agreed. So, no, I think that's a solid pick. I, I voted for um, my male pick. I went with Santana and Ortiz of AEW just because I didn't really know anything about them, but their matches have been spectacular in AEW. So, so I, I agree. So, I support that decision. And then for my um, most improved woman of the year, I voted for Bailey because I thought the heel turn was just such a good move for her. Right. I can see that as well. I both good pick. Hard to argue. And then uh, Christian's pick on that, he went with um, Pac in AEW, former Neville in WWE. And I think that's a really good pick, too, because and the basis he had for it was, you know, Neville was, when he was in WWE, I mean, he was always a top lightweight, but, you know, he had wrestled first match or things like that. But he's a legit star now in AEW. I mean, he's fantastic. So I don't know that he's really, like when I was doing my vote, I was looking at, Who's really a better – they really improve their character. They improve their skill. And I think Neville's skill is still as good now as it was in WWE or vice versa. So that's why I didn't consider him for most improved. But as far as his status as a wrestler, Christian's got a, a legit point there. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. All right, next category is best technical wrestler of the year. So on this one, I chose Gable. Mm-hmm. Or Shorty G. I think he's a heck of a technical wrestler. A lot of it has to do with his amateur background. You know, he was a stud in amateur wrestling. I think Gable is, you know, a heck of a technical wrestler in the pro world. My honorable mention here was Natalia Nightheart. I think Natty is technically the most sound in the women's division. She, I mean, you know, obviously she's got some of the, the most experience of any of them. But just like a typical heart, she's got the technical skills to do it in the ring and I think Natty deserves that I think that she she's smooth with her moves and she's got a whole repertoire of moves that she's capable of using so I, I, I think she's definitely the honorable mention there yeah I mean I voted for Pac on this he was a back-to-back winner for in a category but I just think he's he's awesome in the ring I love his aerial stuff and he's doing it where I mean he's a pretty jacked up guy too so I I voted for him and if I was picking um, the best technical wrestler for the women I'd go with Charlotte Flair. I think she's just amazing in everything she does in the ring. I would give a a close honorable mention to Sasha Banks. I think Sasha Banks is fantastic. Yeah, Sasha Banks is entertaining. She's definitely a good good wrestler. Yeah. I just think in the the technical side of it, Natty's got to beat because she's got experience on both of them. Well, she's in the dungeon. Right, exactly. So, in Christian's pick, he uh, went with Daniel Bryan. Good, yep. Good choice for technical wrestler. He, Daniel Bryan, technically sound. Well, Daniel Bryan's one of these guys, and I think Christian mentioned earlier in the podcast. I mean, he's kind of like a Charlotte Flair. You know, he's he's the kind of wrestler that does it all. I mean, he's good on the mic. He's good in the ring. He's knows when to put people over if he needs to. Um, and he's he's so over. You know, he understands the business. So I, I I think he's always so solid. And it's one of these things like even with this matches against Brock Lesnar, I kind of felt like when they put the match together, it was like, well, we got to have somebody for Brock Lesnar to go against. And it's like, hey, 
let's just put him with Daniel Bryan because like Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, I mean, it doesn't matter who they're going against. They're going to have a great match. That's very true. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention um, on the uh, most improved wrestler for the women, Christian's pick was Rhea Ripley. So Rhea's getting some love on this podcast. She's definitely getting love. Yeah. All right. Next category, best wrestling promos of the year. Who is your pick? Hands down, Chris Jericho. I agree. That was a sweep. That was a sweep. My pick and and Christian's pick as well. You know, that's the thing with Jericho. He's just, I mean, he's the heel, but yet the crowd is cheering him left and right. And even when he was doing those interviews with MJF and the jokes and stuff, I mean, he can be a, a jerk, but he can also be hilarious, and it's just great. You know, I touched on it on previous podcast with you that, you know, he had a kind of a tragic incident with the AEW belt. <laughs> and yeah. He, he turned it into a pop, and now it's one of his mainstays. I mean, everybody talks about a little bit of the bubbly. So, I mean, he turned something tragic into a, you know, a pop with the crowd. So, that's just who he is. He can do it. He's been doing it his whole career. So, well, hands down, he's it. And the thing with Jericho, I mean, he's a performer. I mean, because I went to that Fozzie Rock show in Fort Lauderdale, and um, you know, he's an entertainer. He knows how to play to the crowd, and so that's what makes him not only a good wrestler, but also a good rock performer. And he, you know, your rock fans are a lot of times also wrestling fans too. So I just think. He understands the psychology and how to get over in the promo. And I know you've talked about wrestlers in the past, like Jake the Snake Roberts, understanding that, and the Macho Man, obviously Roddy Piper. Because you got to have that, because if you're not resonating with the people, it doesn't matter how good you are in the ring. You've got to resonate with the people to get the pop. All right, next category, uh, best feud of the year. Who's your pick? I went with Charlotte versus Trish Stratus. Honorable mention, Cody Rhodes versus Jericho in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and we really haven't talked much about Trish Stratus, but um, you talk about a real icon in, in women's wrestling. I mean, and she's definitely up there because in the Attitude Era, I mean, she was brought in as a, a fitness competitor and supposed to be, I guess, you know, this blonde bombshell. But, you know, she turned out to be great in the ring. And I know that's they say we're well, trying to, Mandy Rose is supposed to be the next Trish Stratus, but I mean, if you're going to be Trish Stratus, you got to be sound in the ring. And she's got some heavy, some big shoes to fill to do that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, Mandy's got the look. You know, she's as pretty as Trish Stratus ever was, but, and Trish was amazing looking, but she did have the technical ability. I mean, she could go in the ring, and I love that they brought her back and had that mini feud with uh, Charlotte Flair this year. I thought that was good. And, you know, that was kind of something that you alluded to just earlier in this podcast was, what are they going to do with Charlotte Flair? Well, I think they ran into that earlier in the year when they brought Trish Stratus back because they had ran out of ideas. So who better to come in and fill that void than the icon herself? Mm, Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Uh, My pick, I went with uh, the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz in AEW. Every one of their matches have been fantastic, and I – I didn't know anything about Santana and Ortiz until I watched the first pay-per-view for AEW. And I, you know, I heard about the Young Bucks, but really hadn't watched them. Man, those tag teams were just so dynamic and high-end high stuff and just off the charts. It really reminded me of back in the 
the mid eighties when you had the rock and roll express versus the midnight express, but it's just kind of even up to a higher degree because of the, the aerial and the physicality that was going on there. But I thought all their matches this year were just fantastic. So that, that was my pick. I think that's a solid pick. I just, Hey, that I can't argue with that at all. Those two tag teams can burn the house down in any arena under any organization. Yep. So we'll see how that continues um, this year. Now, and I will say too, you know, we talked about AEW and the status of what's going on there. I think their tag division it's it's, it's pretty good because I mean you got SCU who's really talented. You got the Young Bucks who are eventually they're going to get the titles, but they've kind of been selling some other guys. But you got Santana and Ortiz. You got Pride. Uh, no, they're also Pride and Powerful. But you got like three or four other teams there. They're like really solid guys. I think the best friends in there and. You know, some others. So they got about six to seven really good tag teams there. Agreed. And I just think they need to – the biggest hole I see in AEW right now in their women's division because I just don't – I can't get into any of their their women's stars right now. I mean, I know Awesome Kong is, you know, a draw, but, you know, Brandy Rhodes has been, has been okay. Her promos are good, but it's just kind of odd. So – but – you know, they're, they're starting from scratch on that. So I guess we just have to be patient with them and give them some time on right, that. We have to give them some time. They, they've got potential. Like, I like Britt Baker. I think she's got potential. And then this other lady that she just faced Wednesday night, she's kind of weird, but she's a good wrestler for sure. And Brandy Rhodes was trying to get her to join their crew or whatever, but she kind of turned them down. So that's going to be a few upcoming feud. I, I'm anxious to see how that plays out. Yeah, I guess my biggest criticism of AEW right now would be the fact that, you know, it, it seems like that some of their matches are just, they're over-orchestrated where it's like, I mean, a guy's getting ready to, to do a drop kick or something and kick somebody on the back of the head or do the chair shot. And it's like so obvious the guy's like bending over. Okay, well now I'm I'm ready to get hit or let me scoot right. over so I'm, I'm making sure that I'm in position for you to do the, your backflip off the top rope to hit me. And the punches, I mean, like on that video with the, the Dark Order, you know, the guy wasn't even close to hitting um, Cody Rhodes there. And it was just, I think they've got to do some better training with, with that and just make it more smooth. Because I do think right. overall, the wrestling I see in NXT and WWE, I think is really better as far as the technical stuff. But I think the with AEW, the guys that are like really, really good in there, like when you have Kenny Omega in there, I mean, and the the Young Bucks, they're as good as it gets. Agreed. So, but we'll see. You know, they got a lot of young young guys in there, but uh, that's just my biggest criticism of AEW right now. And honestly, I, I really have – I'm not feeling Jake Hager right now either. You know, even when he was getting into some of the fights with Dustin Rhodes, it was like they were throwing punches, but it just looked so fake. And I, I know it's orchestrated and stuff, but it's like, you know, at least touch the guy or something. Yeah, and they're, and they're not doing enough with Jake Hager. I, I don't like – they're holding back on him, and they, they need to cut him loose and let him go in there and wrestle. I thought – you know, it was interesting when we had our podcast and we were talking about, um, you know, who to match him up with, and you said Luchasaurus, and then darn it, two weeks later, they're that's the, <laughs> the, the pairing they have. But I know. They need to let him go. They yeah. They need to let him have a match. I think Luchasaurus is good. Yep. So. I agree. They, they can have a good match. So anyway, we will see what happens with them. The other thing I'd really like to see with them, 
I think they waited too long to have this feud with Cody Rhodes and MJF. I mean, when MJF turned on Cody Rhodes in the match with Chris Jericho for the title, I mean, they should have got on that immediately with a feud. And now there's like the box cutters or some tag group. They're, they're in the feud with Cody right now. But I'm like, so I think when MJF and Cody get to battle, it's, it's going to be diluted. Yeah, I agree. I don't know why they didn't strike while the iron was hot on that specific subject. It's like all of a sudden they derailed Cody and, and got him tangled up with that other tag team. And they brought in, and I like this kid that Cody's tagging with, uh, uh, Darby Allen. I think he's talented. Mm-hmm. He's different. You know, he's got a different look and all that. But sometimes that's good. But I, I don't understand why they took him that route and didn't put him against NJF immediately. I agree. Well, we'll see what happens then. But, I mean, to me, that's why I don't think AEW has been as good the past few weeks, and NXT has really been better. You know, we'll see what happens. And, well, and honestly, the ratings were kind of showing that too. I mean, AEW was down for a while, and then NXT, which you expected NXT to have a pop in the ratings for a couple of weeks after War Games and after the Survivor Series, and they did. Now they're running about even, whereas before, right. you know, NXT – was definitely losing every week to AEW. So we'll see what happens. Now we're talking about the worst feud of the year. What's your pick there? Strawman versus Tyson Fury, hands down. Terrible. I didn't vote for that one, but I I definitely agree with it. I thought it stunk. I mean, it was terrible. And, you know, we talked about on multiple times with on this podcast and on earlier podcasts, Braun Strowman had a terrible year, and it's not because I don't like Braun Strowman. I, I like his character. I think he's talented. I just think the booking was horrible for him this year. And Tyson Fury bringing in that, I mean, like we talked on an earlier podcast, when they bring in these guys from the boxing world or MMA and just for like a one-off, I think it's a slap in the face to the to the real wrestlers because you can't bring in a, a big high-priced guy like a Tyson Fury, who's your boxing champion, they're not going to allow him to to lose and look bad. Well, then you've got a guy like Braun Strowman that he, he's made to look foolish. Right. And the bad thing is, as we touched on it on a previous cast, is Tyson Fury came in out of shape. I mean, he looked terrible. Right. And just, you know, he didn't have much training in the ring and just terrible. It was a terrible idea. I agree. My feud of the year, or worst feud of the year that I voted for was Seth Rollins versus The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. The reason why I went with that is I just thought their matches were terrible. And I thought that, you know, the whole thing about Seth getting so easily, I just, I just didn't like the booking at all. It was just, I just felt it was bad. But, you know, that Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman thing, that that's right up there. What is your worst match of the year? Well, with the worst feud of the year being Strowman and Tyson Fury, that one ranks up there. But I went with Lesnar versus Velasquez for the exact same reasons that I named Strowman and Tyson Fury the worst feud. Lesnar versus Velasquez just did not, they did not train Kane at all, and it showed. They tried to make it look like an MMA match, and that's not what we're tuning in for. I like MMA, don't get me wrong, and I'd love to see those two go at it in the octagon again, but that's not what we were looking you know, watching. That's not what we were looking for. So I think that they could have made this really good had they brought Kane in and kind of kept it under wraps and trained him and, you know, sent him to the training center and really, really built up his moves and his repertoire. And I, and Kane would have got it because he was a amateur wrestling champion 
and an MMA champion. So we know the guy's a super athlete. He could have done it, you know, had they worked with him, but they just wanted to try to one-off him and throw him in there and, and make it work, and I just think it was terrible. That, you know, it, it was good as part of the feud with, with Ray, but they, they needed to make that match better than what it was. I agree. Uh, the more I thought about it, I mean, I, I had a three-way tie here. And I know that's bad. You're supposed to pick one, but I'm the host. I change the rules, I guess. That's that's how it goes in wrestling, right? That's right. <laughs> I had three matches that I thought were just dreadful this year. Um, I did have Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury. I thought it was horrible. I thought the Kane Velasquez-Brock Lesnar match was horrible. And I also felt the Undertaker versus Goldberg was horrible yeah. over in Saudi Arabia. I just thought it was ridiculous. I'm going to be very transparent and admit that I wouldn't even look that one up to watch it because I heard so many bad things about it. And I hold Goldberg and, and Undertaker to such a high standard that I, I don't even want to watch the match because I know it'll let me down. Yeah, it was. And it was one of those things where, I mean, the Undertaker could have been seriously hurt in that match. And that's why I feel like, you know, when they bring back these guys that are, older and stuff it's like they've got to have more time to train i mean i was watching with undertaker he um had his interview with stone cold steve austin on the wwe network which is it was really good really good interview but uh, you know he was saying when he knows he's going to have his wrestlemania match he starts training like in like in january and ready to go or maybe even november i think and november i think what i think it was november yeah but you know goldberg couldn't hold him up and i was like well Dang, you know, he's got to be able to, to do that. And I, I just feel like for some of these guys, you know, trying to bring back the the longtime great for a match, it's, it's just not a good idea. I mean, even when Shawn Michaels came back, you know, I didn't think his matches were very good this year. I mean, Triple H is still able to put pretty good match together. But I'm all for the, the younger guys. And I, I feel like with Undertaker, you know, he's going to keep continuing to do it and stuff. But I just... I'm always worried about somebody really getting hurt because they're they're so much older now, and it's it's a tough game they're out there doing. Well, WWE struck gold two years ago or three years ago when they brought Goldberg back for Lesnar. Yeah, Goldberg came back. He was in shape. He did good. He conditioned. They built it up. You know, they did a squash match the first time, so he would have time to train and get ready for their actual legitimate match later in. What was it, WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. Oh, he squashed him. Was it at Survivor Series? It was Survivor Series. And then in Royal Rumble, he was the one who eliminated Brock Lesnar. Right. So he come in and squashed him at Survivor Series, which gave him exactly what Undertaker said from November until April to get ready for WrestleMania. And he had a couple of matches in between there that, to kind of build it up and get back in shape. And they handled it right. Well, I think with the crown jewel... You know, Bill Goldberg is one years old. And after his little run there where he had the title for a minute and all that, they kind of let him go. And he's been out of wrestling again for a year and a half. The guy's 51. You get, you know, he's not in wrestling shape. They probably called him up and said, hey, we need you over at Crown Jewel. Here's the big payday, blah, blah, blah. And you know he's not going to turn it down for that kind of money. And it's a chance to face the Undertaker and all that, so... He got over there, and Undertaker's not a spring chicken himself, you know, regardless of the fact. You know, Undertaker can't go like he used to either, so I'm not going to say it was all on Goldberg, mm-hmm. but 
I know Goldberg wasn't ready, and they didn't give him time to get ready. So, you know, you got to build it up, and they handled it perfectly against Lesnar and let him get back in shape and let him get the feel back. But at 51 years old, sitting out for a year and a half, that kills you. Well, I think the other thing, too, is a Goldberg match is only a couple of minutes. It's like the Ultimate Warrior matches. I mean, and so those matches with Brock Lesnar didn't last too long, but when you're in a match with an Undertaker, the Undertaker, I mean, either you're going to have a squash from the Undertaker, I mean, or or it's a longer match. I mean, Undertaker matches are not short matches usually. So I just felt like when they were when they were pairing the, those guys up, I'm like, this is going to be a disaster because you don't want to make either one of them look bad, but the longer the match goes, that's not good for Goldberg. Right. Right. So, and that was true even when he was younger. Yeah. So I just – I felt the whole thing was bad, and I know both wrestlers you know, were not pleased with it because, like you said, they've always held high standards. But I just thought if I had to pick one, I mean, that to me was the worst of all of them. Christian's vote was also Goldberg versus Undertaker. Yep. All right. You know what? I forgot to ask you for preparation, but we need to have a best match of the year. So just to give you a few minutes to to think on one, my best match of the year, I'm going with Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan in WrestleMania for the WWE Championship and Kofi Kingston winning that match. I mean, that's a legit match. Very, very good choice. (laughs) You are catching me off guard because I'm trying to run through all the matches. And it's hard for me to even think of yeah. One what that, that would be. Well, I mean, other great matches this year, I don't think it was as good as um, Kofi versus Daniel Bryan, but I, I do think the, the WrestleMania finale with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey was a good match. You know, there was a huge pop when Becky won. I mean, that's what the fans were wanting to see. So I thought, you know, that would that would be a great match. I, I got to tell you, that TLC match with the Revival and the New Day, that was a great match this year. That's a contender. Uh, yeah. That's a contender for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's better than Kofi and Daniel Bryan. And, you know, even the whole gauntlet match with Kofi going through just to, to get the chance for the title, I mean, that gauntlet match was, was great too. You know, there were a lot of great matches this year. I mean, I, I tell you, those matches with Santana and Ortiz and the Young Bucks – they're as good as any match you're going to find. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. To me, those are the best. Those are the best matches I've seen in AEW. I mean, I thought Jericho had had good matches in AEW, but like his match with Cody wasn't earth shattering. But it, it was it was a very solid match. Right. I thought the match with John Moxley and Kenny Omega, the the triple or the no holes barred match. I mean, that was a really good match. I mean, they went all out there. I mean, some thought they may went a little overboard. And those pack matches with um, Kenny Omega, those are good matches. And the matches with him and Hangman Adam Page are good. I mean, I feel like if you put Pack in a match, it's usually not a bad match. That's true. It's going to go over one way or the other. Yeah. And I feel the same way about Kenny Omega. If he's in there, he's going to make it happen. Yeah. But I was trying to pick a match where – just the pop was so big, and I felt like when Kofi won that match, you know, that pop was just so big because, you know, based on what's kind of going on in the country this year with things and stuff, I mean, I thought it was a an important moment, both from a wrestling standpoint and a society standpoint, and it was a good match. Yeah, I can I can 
see that. I I don't know. For me to pick the match of the year, I'd have to think on it a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> I can't really give a good answer. Okay, most disappointing wrestler of the year. Ooh. You can oh, pick a male and a female. I'd probably throw Braun Strowman up there. Yep. Unfortunately, and it's not his fault. It's the booking's fault. Yep. I also went with Braun Strowman reluctantly, and again, it's I, I'm a Braun Strowman fan. I want him to to do well. It was just it was the booking. Another uh-huh. guy that I just I never was a fan of, and he's been off for a while due to injury. I was not a fan of Lars Sullivan at all. He was kind of a tie with uh, Braun Strowman. And then for uh, the most disappointing woman wrestler of the year, I voted for Dana Brooke. I agree. And again, not her fault because she's got all the talent. She's got the look. I think she's gorgeous. I think she's, you know, in good shape. They just haven't booked her correctly. One thing, though, about with her, why she kind of came to the top of my list is because she has had these things about, hey, give me a shot, give me a shot. Well, Bailey's given her a few shots, and then she goes out there and, and loses quickly i know it's a book right. i know it's a booking issue but it's sort of like hey all right yeah give me a shot give me a shot well you got a shot and you didn't take advantage of it so right that would be my reason for for her to get that pick i'm in agreement 100 percent. okay who's your overall best wrestler of the year 2019 chris jericho no question yep i'll go with jericho as well and uh, christian went with jericho as well I, the only one who i thought Originally, I thought, you know what, I, I would pick Becky Lynch because she's had the title longer. But then I started thinking, I was like, you know, she's kind of on a downslide right now for the reasons we mentioned. And I forgot about the success Jericho had in Japan this year where he went over yeah. and won those titles. So for me, for him having titles in Japan, then starting AEW, keeping AEW relevant, I went with Jericho as well. Jericho had the success in Japan, you know, selling out the Tokyo Dome with Kenny Omega. He was doing these cruises where, I don't know if you followed him on Instagram or whatever, but mm-hmm. he was doing a wrestling cruise that he orchestrated himself. He put it together. He, he started it. They were highly successful. And then, of course, the launch of AEW, they've been working on that forever. And he just recreated himself again and just, he just keeps it going. I mean, he's pushing that company, and hands down, it's got to be him. Now, I'm not saying he's the best in the ring right now, because Jericho, I mean, let's call it like it is. He's 49 years old. He's getting up there. He can't go like he did, but he can still carry a match, and he can still do a promo better than anybody out there. Yeah. So I feel like he, he's the guy. He deserves it. I agree, and I think you know the thing with AEW is – they knew they had to sign a like a real nationally known star because unless you were like a real devoted wrestling fan, you may not know who Kenny Omega is. You probably didn't know who the Young Bucks were. I didn't really know much about the Young Bucks. I knew Cody from his time in WWE, but I knew him as Stardust. And right. so, you know, it's not like he was a, a big draw there. And he kind of had his better years before I started watching again. I wouldn't pay money to see any of those guys, but I would pay money to see Chris Jericho. But now that I've watched the promos or AEW more, I mean, I I definitely would go. But I I just think he's – the fact that he's always able to reinvent himself and keep himself relevant is is a key to being successful. I mean, Ric Flair had to do that numerous times because you see these same wrestlers over and over. It's 
Well, the Von Erichs would be a, a perfect example of their story in world class was all right, all American family boys, Christian boys, this and that. And it was the same thing over and over. Well, then Carrie gets hurt with his accident and he's out. But, you know, eventually the, the same story over and over gets boring for people. I mean, how much can they keep fighting the free birds? So they tried to change it up a little bit. But the same story, it, it just gets old after a while. I mean, even you look at the macho man, the macho man became the macho king. And all. I mean, if you're not changing, then you, you're not a top guy. You, you become a mid-card guy, and then eventually you're – you're a jobber. Right. Even Hogan changed. I mean, look at NWO. I mean, it, it took a long time, but when he went to Hollywood Hogan, man, <laughs> it was from one extreme to the next and it was highly successful for him. Yeah. Well, as, as we close the show here in 2019, I think it'd be appropriate to talk about the fact that at WrestleMania, they're going to have the NWO going into the hall of fame and well-deserved, obviously what's your take on that? And also, uh, there's been a lot of chatter on the internet about Eric Bischoff not being included in the NWO Hall of Fame induction. So what, what are your takes on NWO getting in and Bischoff being omitted? So NWO deserves it as a faction because they put DX in already. Honestly, in my opinion, NWO should have went in first because they were the first Attitude Era faction like that. And I've stated it on our podcast before. WWE coined the phrase Attitude Era, but NWO ushered in the Attitude Era. They started it. It all started with them, and they totally deserve it as a faction. Now, I don't care for Six or X-Pac or whatever getting in it with them because he already went in with DX, and honestly, he wasn't one of the original NWO. To me, it should be Hogan, Nash, and Hall, and Eric Bischoff deserves it because Eric Bischoff had the idea. Eric Bischoff was the guy pulling the strings in the back. And, you know, I, I think he even came up with the, the name. So I feel like Eric Bischoff should get in there. And to me, that's just another sore loser thing from Vince because Eric kicked his butt for nearly two years straight in the ratings. And Vince still can't get over that. That's why Vince has always buried all the WCW guys and, you know, hardly ever put any of them over. So I just, I, I hate it, you know, and I know there's bad blood there, but Eric Bischoff deserves it. Yeah. You know, and there were some people, um, I think Tony Schiavone was even on a podcast this week and he was saying that, you know, the whole reason why Eric Bischoff was even brought it back to WWE was just so that he could get fired. Cause I mean, he was there oh, yeah, for only a couple of months. Make him look bad. Yeah. Well, I, I think they definitely deserve to be in. I'm actually going to go to WrestleMania this year because it's in Tampa. So I'm going to go. Oh, that's awesome. You should. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but overall. Have you ever been? I've never been to WrestleMania, no. I went to the one that was in Atlanta 10 years ago. WrestleMania 27. That yeah. was the only one I've ever been to. Well, they're going to do it different this year because they're going to have the Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Thursday. And then a SmackDown episode on Friday in Tampa. Then NXT on uh, Saturday. WrestleMania on Sunday. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't mind to go to see the NXT takeover. I think that'd be pretty cool. But then, I mean, I guess I just have to stay over in Tampa a couple of days because, I mean, WrestleMania, it's six hours of wrestling right there. Yeah, easily. Very easily that long. 
So, I mean, I think 2019 was a good year for wrestling. Uh, what's your kind of overall take of 2019? Good year, bad year, and different year? Overall, I think it's good. And simply because NXT is geared up, AEW is on the rise. It's forcing WWE to push their limit. You know, they can't stand any kind of competition. So, I think overall it's good, and it's gotten better the second half of the year. Yeah. I think 2019 was a good year just because – of AEW alone. I mean, AEW being there forced WWE at a minimum to make NXT better and yep. more, more relevant. And I think NXT, I mean, you talk to the NXT fans, I mean, like, like Christian or whatever, in their opinion, I mean, I think NXT's always been really good. It's just, it was like, well, if you want to watch it on the WWE network, go and, and do it. But then people are like, well, I don't really want to do that, but I think it's always been good. But I think it was really great to get them on TV and focus on guys like Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era and Keith Lee and Ciampa and all, all these guys that you may not really know about. And and their women with Rhea Ripley and Baszler and Candice LeRae, all those folks. I think it's good uh, for the exposure. I'm kind of anxious to see what's going to happen with, um, like you've had NWA around and Nick Aldis is a champion there, but you know, they – had Jim Cornette on, and then he's there. I mean, are these independent groups going to step up more in 2020? Are they going to kind of regress a little bit? You know, you got Impact and Ring of Honor. I'm just kind of curious to see what happens with those guys as well, because the way we were looking at it, you've got a lot of holes still in WWE. I mean, yes, you've got all these wrestlers in the time, but we were looking at the tag division for Raw and the men's division. There needs to be more talent in there for those guys to, for the Viking Raiders to go against. Because right now their only competition, legitimately, is um, Gallows and Anderson. You know what about right. um, more more women tag teams? So, but I think twenty twenty is going to be a good wrestling year again. I think it it has to be a good year because I think AEW will only get better, and that's going to force NXT to get better. And with NXT being better, that forces Raw and SmackDown to be better because then people will stop watching Raw and SmackDown and they'll follow NXT. Right. So, and, you know, as we get into the push for Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, you've always got to build up. So I think it's going to be a good year. Yep. WrestleMania season's right around the corner. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and giving your thoughts as, as always. It's always good to, to chat with you. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. All right. Well, hey, well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it as we give a recap of wrestling in 2019. So to our audience, we thank you for the support of uh, listening to our show, and we wish you guys the best of luck in 2020. We'll see you all then. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.com.